Well, what's up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network with Nate and Charlie from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the most anti-death podcast yeah. you're going to run across. And this is even worse than death. This was like... This was like murderous, barbaric, torturous, terrible death for women and children and the elderly and all kinds of people that happened in Israel by the hands of Hamas over the weekend. If you've been online at all or watched the news at all, uh, then you know just as much as we do about this thing, I was scrolling through the news stations this morning, like Fox and CNN and BBC and all the other stuff. And of course, that's it's just wall to wall. That's what everyone's talking about, as they, as as you would assume, mm-hmm. they would be talking about right now. According to this was a uh, a thing from Reason this morning. They say death toll passes eleven hundred. Let me see if they're talking about just in Israel or if they're. I think they're counting. Uh, Gaza also, so Palestinians also. And I just said Palestinians. Now, some things that you read might say, well, there is no such thing as a Palestinian because it doesn't exist. Well, if you ask some people, there's no such thing as an Israel. It doesn't exist either. It's mm-hmm. very complicated. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, I, I posted about it over the weekend saying humbly, probably more humble than anyone else I saw <laughs> posting about this over the weekend. Um, but you guys let me know. I just, I doubt it, you know, that I had no idea. <laughs> I had no clue what's going on because mm-hmm. I know nothing about the history of Israel and Palestine. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I didn't realize, I didn't even know that Israel wasn't even officially a state until 1948. Yeah. The only thing we do know is that this piece of dirt has been fought over. Mm hmm. For thousands of years. And what, what and we, what's hard is it like, and I'm not being facetious here, it gets lost in translation. It does. You know? It also matters what year you pick. Now, we've talked about this before, I think when we were maybe even talking about Ukraine and uh, maybe even some other areas of the world. What matters when you talk about these land disputes is what year you decide was the right year when everything was correct and everyone had the land that they were supposed to have. And what gets really confusing is we select different years for different countries all around the globe. Because honestly, if we say it's Israel, then we're either starting history at 1948 or we're starting history at like 700 BC, something like that. And we're skipping everything else that happened in between there Mm -hmm. when Israel uh, lost the land and it was kind of Palestina, I think is what we're gonna gonna see in some of the things we'll read. And you get a chunk of like two thousand years there, where it was Arab territory. It wasn't wasn't Israel. Mm. And so what matters is: Does your history start at nineteen forty eight? Does it start at seven hundred BC? Does it start in nineteen twenty? Was that the proper time in history? And then if if you're looking at Israel and they say, well, it's seven hundred BC, clearly. That's the right thing. Of course, Americans want to be like, well, what did the world look like in 1776? Yeah. We'll just go back to that. <laughs> right there. But that's not what you want to do for Israel. Like, does America belong to Americans? And that's what I'm saying. If you go back to 700 BC, then uh, we got to give it all back to the Native Americans, mm-hmm. whoever those people are. And those and tribes were fighting with and each it's other. probably not even the ones that we ran out in 
the 17, 1800s or 14, 15, 16, 17, 1800s. Started in 1619. We all know that. <laughs> you know? Well, 1492, when Columbus is Columbus Day, by the way. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. When Columbus slash came. murderous yeah, slaver. When Columbus day. came here and murdered everyone in, in, uh, in 1492, I guess, is when he sailed the ocean blue, as mm. we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when history started? I'm not sure. And like I said, you pick different times for each country at just whatever you decided was right. Is it Ukraine? Well, I don't know if you think um, Israel should be returned to uh, it. You think it's Israel? Well, or is Ukraine mother Russia? Or do you think Israel is Palestine? Is Ukraine mother Russia? Which one is it? Uh, who's rightfully got the land? I don't know. It's that's you see how confusing this is. I mean, this this is what. DeSantis's permitless carry leads, to, <laughs> you know, exactly over land dispute. I know with their, you know, their neighbors. <laughs> I can't help but make jokes. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. But you have it's, to make jokes because what else are you going to do? You yeah. know, what can you do during this time? That's, We're against war. It's called gallows humor. So mm-hmm. when you get into this really, really terrible situation, what are you going to do? We could cry. All I, thought, all I could think about it, was you know? the neighbors getting in a gun dispute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These are just really big guns. It's, it's what it These is. These are a lot a, bigger guns. A neighborly dispute right now. Do you think Hamas flashed his permit? That before? was No, they didn't need permits. That's right. It's permitless yeah. carry over there in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what this kind of stuff leads okay. to. I got you. Uh, there was a just a couple terrible things that, of course, everyone has seen. Um, there was a music festival going on in Israel. And they, I think they're saying that 260 people that were killed at a rave there ish, something like that. Uh, then you've got videos of people going around getting snatched up, getting murdered, elderly people getting murdered. Uh, you got viral videos of just terrible, awful things. I try to not ever actually see pictures of dead bodies and real violence and stuff like that. But you kind of couldn't avoid it if you scrolled through X over the weekend. And so I'm sure everyone saw the same things. I did. It's, it's absolutely terrible. And there's no, even if we have a discussion and it turns out that there should actually be a two state solution, as they call it, where there's an Israel and a Palestine or, okay, I kind of get while why Palestinian people are so upset because the UN came in in 1947, 48 and just said, Oh yeah, you guys, Move over these people coming in. We're going to make this Israel right here. Okay. If you, I can understand why the people who have also been there for generations, according to them, generations, thousand years, they've been there. You know, I'm sure Israel had it before that, but these people have been here for a thousand years. And now people are coming in and saying, nope, nope, nope. You guys move. You guys get out of here. We're going to make this Israel. We are UN. We are the people who decide. And it's, what people live where it's really a religious dispute mainly it is right it's so a this holy is, it's holy ground uh allegedly for both of them mm-hmm. so that but i guess the israeli the, the holy ground would go back further than the arab mm-hmm. holy ground we've passed my expertise at this point yeah I just burn out all of my expertise in the first nine minutes of the show yeah. so well they found biblical <laughs> artifacts all over israel yeah and, Turkey. I mean, listen, you listen to the Christmas songs. It says Israel in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. That must have been really awkward singing those songs before 1948. I bet. Are those songs newer ones that we sing? Yeah. All right. Give us a bit of, give give us a bit of 
history here from these pundits. Uh, so I think this is important because as we talk online with people, you get both sides a lot. Like this is Israel's right to defend itself. And of course, everyone's history. If you're saying this clear, which you do have a right to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. What Hamas did here is absolutely terrible. And I hope every single one of them gets what's coming to them. I, I absolutely do. But I don't want other innocent people to die in the process. And then we also know as Americans that when you kill other innocent people in the process, you just further this forever war. You create more Hamas at that time. Yeah. So, and and the thing is too, and I, so I can say as a Christian, like I do believe that uh, the Jews, the people of Israel, Israelites are, are the actual original children of God. Now, of course that expands now to Gentiles, but um, so I, I do think that, but I don't want to let that bias my opinion, thinking that Israel has a right to go and, and bomb everyone and kill everyone. I think, we have to approach this objectively because if you look at the gospel of Jesus, I don't think he, I, I didn't read, you know, in Matthew where he says, you know, drop bombs to make sure that your, you know, your brothers and sisters you're trying to bring to me. Yeah. You know, feel the love. I think technically when dealing with Israel, <laughs> you have to base it on old Testament God. Well, is the thing, you know, but that, but I think that's you know. the disconnect, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, because there is a new covenant. I know. That, well, but that kind of, you know, kind of flies in the face yeah. of this whole Israel thing, you know? I mean, well, they, d- they killed our Lord, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Jews. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, let's go through a little bit of the history. This stuff is fairly important, I believe. Got bread from the, you got to join the Fed Haters Club. All right. <laughs> Join gml.com. Actually, don't do it because you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to see this kind of stuff, actually. Copyright says, Jesus said those with Riz can drop bombs. I don't know what Riz is. Really? You don't know the Gen Z? Have you seen no, the Gen I Z haven't. Bible I stories? haven't heard this one. No. Have you seen the Gen Z Bible no, stories? No. Oh, my Riz? God. It's so good. Charisma. Okay. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Okay. He's All got, right. It's, it's, got that, it's got that Riz, <laughs> you know? Israel. He's a resonator. <laughs> let's just let's do a little history lesson because as I said on X, I don't know anything about the history of this of this area and I happened to find one place that went back past the year 1880. Because if you look up Israel and Palestine conflict, it all starts in like the late 1800s according to everything that you read, you Washington Post, New York Times, you go anywhere and read about this, it starts in the late 1800s. Well, there was, in fact, time before that. So so you have to ask, well, what about before that? Because those people were descendants of people that were before them. And so what were they dealing with at this time? Mm. And you trace that all the way back and um, you get down to the single cell organism, you know, in the lake or wherever it was. Right. And so I think it's their fault. Four billion years ago. (laughs) Israel. Uh, which people were having a hard time spelling also over the weekend. It was trending in two different spellings. Israel. Yes. Uh, first appears near the end of the 13th century BC within the Egyptian. Do, do This is a serious question. Do Jews use BC as a timekeeping <laughs> mechanism? I mean, there's I guess another. They believe Christ existed. They just didn't. Yeah. Right. Well, because there's they know another because they, they know they killed them. There's another meaning for BC. It doesn't mean just before. Christ. Oh, okay. I've always heard BC. Yeah. Someone that I've always heard before Christ. Now, I'm honestly just 
asking dumb questions right now, and I'm being I'm humbling myself mm-hmm. before the audience at the moment. I, I'm wondering the answers to these questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, referring apparently to the people rather than a place inhabiting what was then canon. A few centuries later in that region, we find two sister kingdoms, Israel and Judah, which is the origin of the term Jew. According to the Bible, there have been there had first been a monarchy comprising both, apparently also called Israel. So that's Israel and Judah, a monarchy comprising both called Israel. In about 722 BC, the kingdom of Israel was conquered by the Neo-Assyrian Empire, centered in what's now Iraq. As an ancient geographic term, Israel was no more. And this is 722 BC, uh, conquered by what is now Iraq. Israel was. Uh, Judah alone, so it was Israel and Judah. Then Israel was conquered in 722 BC. Less than a century and a half later, Judah was overthrown. Its capital, Jerusalem, I've heard that word before, was sacked. Like Dak Prescott last night several times. The Jewish temple destroyed, and many of Judah's inhabitants were exiled to Babylonia. I've heard some of these words in the past. Following the exile's end, a little under 50 years later, the territory of the former kingdom of Judah served as the heart of Judaism for almost seven centuries, although the rebuilt temple was again destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. I think that's in the Bible somewhere, right? Temple getting destroyed? I'm not sure. I've heard about that temple before. Uh, Palestine, this is AD 135. So still quite a long time ago, you know, close to... 1900 years ago or so, something like that, right? Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Close 2000 to 2000 years yeah. ago. This is Palestine following a failed Jewish revolt. Roman emperor. See, now this is just retaliation for this Jewish revolt. Mm-hmm. Roman emperor Hadrian <laughs> expelled the Jews from Jerusalem and decreed that the city and surrounding territory be part of a larger entity called Syria, Palestina. Palestina took its name from the coastal territory of the ancient Philistines, enemies of the Israelites. Okay, so this is in 135. The Jews are pushed out and they call this place Syria, Palestina. So this is almost 2,000 years ago. All right. Now, what, before we go further past this, what, we're, what we say is that in 1948, when Israel became its own state, we were rightfully restoring this land back to pre-135 AD. So almost 2,000 years before that. Essentially, well, but there was Judah. Yeah, Judah. Then, yeah. yes, and the Israel part was conquered. What was that? Seven twenty-two BC. So even further mm-hmm. back in time. Good Lord! And yes, this was because of the Holocaust. Jews were looking for a place to go, and also the Holocaust uh, helped the movement. I believe it was called the Zionist movement uh, for this whole thing to take place because people felt bad. It was kind of a a convenient PR time for creating your own mm-hmm. Jewish state. Yeah. I don't mean any of this as like a joking matter. I'm just just laying it down right now. Zionism and British control. In the second half of the 19th century, long-standing yearning of the Jews to return to the territory of their ancestors culminated in the nationalistic movement called Zionism. The Zionist cause was driven by steeply rising hatred towards Jews in Europe and Russia. Immigrating Jews encountered a predominantly Arab populace who also considered it their ancestral homeland. So, arriving Jews 
uh, encountered a predominantly Arab populace who also considered it to be their ancestral homeland. How long do, do your people need to be in a place before you call it your ancestral homeland? Because, like, my family has been in a little town in Illinois since, like, I don't know, 1895 or something like that. BC? AD. <laughs> 1895, yeah. and I'm like, well, that, I mean, that's my ancestral homeland right there. What about you Japan? I've, maybe Japan, too. I don't know. And plus, why do people care so much about it? Like, you ever think about where your people are from a thousand years before you? Mm-mm. No. I do. I Although I will say, so part of me thinks this is a little different, only in the aspect of why are people willing to go to war over this land it, because it's in the Bible. Well, not well in the Quran as well. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's in the religious. Te- what I'm saying is, why do people like say you you if you're to poll America? But sorry, what motivates your- you? But what motivates you beyond just reading it in a book? Right? There's got to be there. There has to be something, and this is what I like how Jordan Peterson talks about things. Like it doesn't matter what people say. How do they act? Mm-hmm. Like what are they actually doing? What actions are they taking? And this war has really been going on um, for thousands of years, right? And, and uh, the live group is saying, stupid sky gods. Someone said, my family is from Germany and I'm still upset about how World War II went. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I guess maybe it's our white privilege where I don't just don't think about things like like that, like your ancestral home. I, I'm not even talking about it in the context of this, but there's a lot of people who just talk about the past all the time. You watch a TV show and there's like a Native American, you go on the res, you know, on the reservation. They're all mm-hmm. talking about all these things that happened like 200 years ago. And I'm like, seriously, yeah, get over it. Yeah. Like it's now, right well, now. And somebody okay. said, in, somebody said in the live group as well that, um, this is why you forgive your enemies or you let vengeance destroy you. Mm-hmm. And and this is exactly what it's, it's what the Bible talks about. I think it's even what the Quran talks about that, that if you harbor bitterness and resentment and vengeance, um, it's going, it's going to destroy you and the people that you love. Yeah. They're there. You know, we have to come to a place where we can all get along um, despite the differences. Um, but there is something I feel like it has to be deeper at a spiritual level for sure. Otherwise these people wouldn't be willing to, to put their lives on the line or other people's lives on the line Mm -hmm. and actually go to war over this sand. It's very sandy over there. The, a lot of, yeah, it's quite dusty, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the pictures. So what we're just a little bit more here at that time, the land comprised three, administrative regions of the Ottoman Empire, none of which was called Palestine. In 1917, a land came under British rule. In 1923, Mandatory Palestine, terrible name for a place, uh, which also included the current state of Jordan was created. Its Arab inhabitants saw themselves primarily now as Palestinians in the sense of a nation, but instead as Arabs living in Palestine Ultimately, the Zionist project succeeded because of the global horror in response to the Holocaust. In 1947, the UN General Assembly passed Resolution 181, partitioning the land into independent Arab and Jewish states. The resolutions met immediate Arab rejection. 
Palestinian militias attack Jewish settlements. Now, at this time, remember, when they decide to partition out this place called Israel, specifically, you are taking land from people who have been there and their families have been there for thousands of years at this time. I'm not, I'm still, I'm not trying to make excuses for anything that's ever happened. I just want to actually understand what happened here and why we look at it differently or why some people choose to look at it differently. Mm -hmm. Like why? Like for instance, like I bought this house and I have a little piece of land here. Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and said, Oh, we got to give this back to somebody else. I'll be like, well, why? Like I bought, this is my property now. Yeah. I bought this blood, sweat. And do you know how much work went in to buying this thing? Mm -hmm. You know? And because someone else screwed up before me, why do I have to suffer the consequences of that? And then, and so I start making, so I understand. I, I completely understand. Absolutely. I start making all these comparisons to like the native Americans in, in America, but then, I'm like, okay, well, how far back do you go? Back to our original problem. Because before the Arabs were there, it was Israel again. And, you know, if you go back mm-hmm. far, far enough in history. So how far back in history do you choose? Mm-hmm. Who was there before them? I don't know. Yeah, Not I, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, humans are a cancer on the planet. We should get rid of everyone and give it back to the animals. That's it. <laughs> Just give it back. And we might be doing that. The only way. After the, uh, all the nukes. You know, yeah. after all the nukes start dropping, because this is starting to look pretty bad. I mean, just imagine if all of a sudden, I mean, look at who's there. We have a few countries at war now or, you know, territories, whatever. At World War Three, it's is it's on the horizon. Some of the accusations have been, as usual, that Iran is helping Hamas and Palestine like trying to fight Israel. Which is bad. And once again, if you use the Obviously, native- America's sending their biggest ship over there. We, I yeah. guarantee the SEALs have been there for a couple of weeks already. If you, look at the, uh, if you look at the comparison again, like with Native Americans, imagine Canada were helping these Native American tribes on the res up there to retake America. And you look out mm-hmm. the window and you see these roving bands of Native Americans on horses shooting Canadian bows and arrows at all of our cars and stuff like that and you just look out there and you realize this wouldn't happen if it weren't for Canada so at one point you know that we decide that we're going to fight Canada instead I feel like you can blame Canada for a lot of things Mm -hmm. you definitely can alright coming up we're going to keep talking about this Israel Palestine conflict on Liberty at Night this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org.
Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network with Nate and Charlie. Let's keep talking about this Israel conflict. Well, here's the thing. Everyone in this conflict, they think that they're right. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, it, all of them do. Everyone is right and each side has a point. Like, that's... They're both right in some ways, but now we're talking about retaliations for retaliations. And yes, uh, Palestinian people are upset about land being partitioned and taken away from them. But then there was a, they, you know, decided on this, these plots of land for people. Israel has encroached on some of that and occupied some of that because of a war uh, that happened. And so they've kept some of the land. They're called an occupying force and some of, in some of the, uh, articles i read so i don't i don't know i'm i'm definitely outside of my bounds on this now you got these people in the gaza strip now i've been hearing about the gaza strip like my entire life Mm -hmm. you know a lot of it by the way they came in on like paragliding in and in in my head i mean you're talking about the fans i remember one time when i was younger we were joking around about getting one of these things and in my head when I heard about them paragliding in, I was like, oh my God, it would be hilarious if they came in on one of those little fan go-kart things with a parachute. Reminds me of Fly Away Home. And that's what they came in on, you know? Remember it's, that? The it's goose not hilarious. Yeah, the goose thing. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It's not hilarious, but this is how people were landing, I believe, around that music festival where people were out doing a rave. Oh, so and all this, that. Was, this was Hamas's people coming in? actually them coming in. Wow. Yeah, because Israel is like a heavily guarded place. Yeah. You know? They, it's making me rethink this whole border wall thing and whether or not it's going to work. Told you they can get you over know? it. <laughs> you can paraglide over the top of it. Yeah. You know, you can push through it with a bulldozer. You can order all those parts online without any suspicion, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so you can. I mean, you can get these things for like yeah. a couple thousand bucks. Bicycle parts. Pretty sure. Yeah. There's people coming in right there. Anyway, there's... And yeah, you didn't know you needed to shoot those people down. Air Force landing right there. Air Force. Uh, 260 bodies have been found at the site of the Israeli Music Festival following the uh, the attack. Wow. So, yes, yeah, this, this was called the Nature crazy. Festival. This was essentially a rave in the wilderness. Uh, and videos we're seeing from just before the attack took place makes it look like, you know, your typical music festival rave all night party with a bunch of young people dancing to DJs. Uh, but then after these rockets start, including that video that we've all didn't exactly keep. Um, anyway, so God, could you imagine being that. like high? I know. Like on maybe on shrooms or something, you're at this musical festival rave, Worse. trying to experience God, of course. That's, yeah, because that's why know, you're doing. They're that. from Israel, Get, getting yeah. closer to God, and they're on mm-hmm. psilocybins or something. Yeah, and all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh, there's rockets coming in, there's bombs," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> that would be uh, that'd be a sobering moment. Here's this. Here's this warship making its way in, the Gerald Ford aircraft carrier going to the Eastern Mediterranean Sea. It's a big boat. Tell you what, man. Where's um, the aircrafts, though? It's, well, they're all empty. stored. They're all stored down below, hmm. dude. It's 2023. They're down there. They got all that military money, man. They store their stuff in the garage. Um, let's see. I believe they've said nine Americans were killed in this. That's the official reports I've heard so far. A hmm. lot of people taken hostage, like a hundred hostages. Israel has started uh, bombing the that had started bombing Gaza <clears throat> and they gave everyone a warning, like women and children get out. We're going to level this place. And 
it's just not going to be good. Mm -mm. There's going to be a lot of innocent people that die from this. It just, there were a lot of innocent people that died in Israel and specifically, I don't like it because they were innocent human beings that died, which means I also don't like it when there are innocent human beings that die anywhere else either, even in, even in Gaza, because there are mm. innocent people there. These type of wars, I mean, I guess Gaza is a small enough place. It's 25 miles long and seven and a half miles wide. Uh, so it's a small enough place. They probably have enough bombs to level the whole place if they want to. And they may end up essentially doing that. Over. It could could fall off into the sea. I'm not sure. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to talk about some of the war hawkness out here. Nikki Haley, who's running for president, said this is not just an attack on Israel. This was an attack on America. Finish them, Netanyahu. They should have hell to pay for what they have just done. Mm. Okay. During the first debate, I... I jokingly called Nikki Haley Ron Paul on a couple of her responses. This is not a Ron Paul response mm-hmm. at all. Um, this was specifically, I don't know if she's seen a map or any of the videos. This was specifically, pretty specifically, actually, an attack on Israel. It, it wasn't an attack on America. Mm-mm. Okay. No, it, I know that the UN did not decree that land American no, land. It, it is not. So as far as I, yeah, America has not been involved in this thousands of year old war over no. there. We've involved ourselves now when we give Israel a ton of money, basically made them a pretty big military power over there. Um, but no, this was not American. This is what happens when you create American interests. Like we spend hundreds of billions of dollars. I don't know what it's totaled up to now on Israel and their military. And now it's specifically an American interest, you know? And then I hear people say things like, well, Israel's our last line of defense against the Name your country over there. Okay, when did they swoop in and win any of our wars that we've been losing for the last 20 years over there? Yeah. Last line of defense, when? Also, I feel like the last, we have a a big ocean in between those countries over there. Yeah. You know. Real big. Yeah. Speaking of, the big ocean didn't stop 9-11 from happening. They're calling this Israel's 9-11. When you look at the number of people that have died and the number of people that are in their country, it would be the equivalent of like 40,000 people dying in an attack in the U.S. on a percentage basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're calling this 9-11. They're saying that there are many people saying that Iran funded this. uh, And so that means that essentially means that Iran becomes Saudi Arabia in this comparison, which means we should do nothing to Iran at all Mm. uh, because we totally ignored the fact that Saudi Arabia funded 9-11. It's not a conspiracy theory that actual U.S. government found, like, concluded. mm -hmm. The hijackers (laughs) were literally from Saudi Arabia. (laughs) We concluded that they were the ones funding this thing. not a conspiracy. Uh, Let's see. We know this U.S. military planning to move U.S. Navy ships and military aircraft closer to Israel, a show of support, like moral support. You move them closer. It's you feel clo- the warmth of empathy. the ships. It's an empathy move. <laughs> Close. You know, just got to see them. You can't just do a phone call. You got to mm-hmm. actually make an action. Show up outside the house. Someone in the ship's gonna be holding up a boombox outside the window, playing some kind of Israeli song, and that's Love how we song. show support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Um, uh, this is some of the attacks in Gaza that are happening right now. Um, it. It's going to be way worse and already is going to be way worse for the Palestinian people than it is for the Israelis that were killed. The, there will be way more people that die in this. I'm, once again, I'm not 
saying right or wrong, yes or no. I don't like any innocent people being killed at all. And we know as Americans that you can't destroy an ideology, that in fact, every time you kill a, a, a terrorist or even an innocent person, you kill, you create more terrorists mm-hmm. that pop up after that. And yeah. it doesn't even have to be people in Gaza, it doesn't even have to be Palestinians. There are plenty of countries full of people that will sign up to go and fight Israel. And I'm sure it already happens right now. It doesn't even have to be these specific Palestinian people. So it, it doesn't stop. You're not going to stop it. There needs to be some type of a peace deal that happens. I mean, imagine living next mm. door to that stuff going yeah. on. It'd be terrible. Mm. <clears throat> um, Israeli Defense Minister orders complete siege of Gaza, saying electricity, food, and water will be cut off after the Hamas attack. It's going to be really bad. There's 2 million people that live there. It's going to be a humanitarian mm-hmm. disaster coming up here pretty soon. Here's a weird thing. And this is, yeah, as a live group is saying, it's a cycle of hatred. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep going. And this is, um, so I'm currently reading Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Really good book um, that I've scanned before, but now I'm at, like actually reading it. The only way to actually... <clears throat> promote peace and this is something i think martin luther king jr did a really good job of is like love is the only thing that can actually drive out hate Mm -hmm. you have to come from a place of of understanding and i'm not saying that the palestinians are right or that the the israelites are right or whatever what i'm saying is that you have to have someone in in these negotiations willing to to try to understand the other side be like hey man i get it i get it i understand you have to you have to empathize with that human emotion of them feeling because like I said, they both think they're right. Okay. The only way to stop the violence is to, is to show love. And I don't know how that happens when you have thousands of years of history on both sides where mm. they feel so strongly about it. But the I most, I don't know what to do with that. The issue is going to be that, and it is way easier said than done. It's not yeah. like I could go over there and be like, create a peace deal. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I can do that. I'm just saying this isn't how this isn't a way to peace. Dropping bombs isn't a way to peace. No, I mean, the, their idea is going to be that they're going to kill everyone that disagrees with them. And, and it's not going to, it's not going to work. Take it from the U S it's not going to work. Then people argue, well, what about, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Um, you know, we'll see if they drop a nuke on Japan. I don't know if it'll work, (laughs) but I guess it worked last time. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you mean Israel? They, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just wondering if Japan becomes the punchy bag like any time. Someone's like, "Okay, we dropped the nuke on Japan last time. Just do it again." They yeah. did fine. Yeah. They did, they, everything ended up fine. They seem to recover. You know, they recovered well. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know where why my mind went that way. I guess because I'm that was the the part Japanese part of my mind. Um, mm. The problem is with the love part is that one of the sides has to either agree that the land isn't theirs or be okay with someone else occupying their what they see as their land and just get over that and your analogy of someone let's just say they just move into the bedroom downstairs in your house you know like oh well the un said that i could do this um or they could be like well i lived here like two thousand years ago so i'm gonna live right here let's make it a free market and so Come in, make at it a free point, market. You have to come in and purchase some property. At some point, you're like, hey, dude, like you're, you're kind of blocking my stuff here. You know, it's my house. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I don't know. 
You get a safe right there full of what do you do's. Yeah. Or you Good. got a or you got a book full of what do you do's. I mean, you are allowed to Which defend, one are you gonna choose? You're allowed to defend yourself. It's yeah. This is it's a mess. Get so, your brains. This is a mess. It's a real mess. Mm-hmm. Uh there's been now it's one thing to support the Palestinian people and think that their land was stolen from them and that it's rightfully theirs. Of course, you're drawing the your year line at a specific time after Israel was conquered and taken. So that's where you say history began. If you say this is a Palestinian land, it's another thing to use this barbaric rape, murder, torture, kidnapping of innocent women and children and, and men and the elderly to go out and start protesting or start rallying in favor of Palestine at that point. Like it's kind of gross when you think about that. But that's what happened over the weekend. It's got a nice beat to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the cadence yeah. of the thing. But it I really don't feel like you want to align yourself with like Hamas terrorists that go out there and, you know, raping and killing all the women and children and elderly people and all that. It doesn't, it's not a good look for your cause Mm -mm. in my opinion. And so some people disagreed. I think they had pro Israel, pro Palestine people. They got fights going. Oh, this isn't good. No, it's not That's good. That's in Florida, too. So, Florida, man. At least it wasn't Nazis this time. Wait, is that actually playing out there? How can you fight when that's going on? I know. How does that make you want to fight? Yeah. Some people with American flags out there, too. Okay, and then we've got, we got a few minutes here, but if you look at some of the blame that's being thrown around real quick before we get out, one thing... That we'll die further into. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this all week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Trump revealed highly classified information to Russian foreign minister and ambassador. This is from May 15, 2017 from the Washington Post. And this is being thrown around as a potential thing uh, that was then given to Iran, which was then given to Hamas. And now Trump is being blamed for a lot of this. We'll dig further into that. Of course, people have to find a way to blame someone. Another thing people are doing. Finding a way to blame Trump for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he made the Israel deal recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. And yeah, true. So that it's obviously his fault. Probably made some people mad Mm -hmm. when that happened. Um, Then a lot of people saying, well, what about the weapons that were left behind in Afghanistan? They say U.S. weapons left behind in Afghanistan are being used to attack Israel. Now, I say it's a little soon to say that they've looked at the serial numbers on the guns and lined them up to the to the actual, you know, yeah, to the actual papers that we had on all the guns. I get it. That's probably a pretty fair speculation. We've left a we've scattered a lot of weapons around in this area. In fact, almost everyone fights every war with American weapons. Yeah. Basically, our military industrial complex is the source for all of the military violence in the entire world. And as the live yeah. group says, I bet the CIA funds both sides. 
Yeah, I'm sure they but are. It's not like CIA funds one side, the FBI funds another, and then you have all these agencies, unknown agencies. Then you don't have, even have any letters. Then you have the conspiracy theories. That'll never theories. confirm or deny. You're bringing up CIA. Then you have the conspiracy theories. How? How in the heck did the CIA not know about this? Israel didn't know about this. Mossad didn't know about this. Their heavily guarded country wasn't able to stop this. They have plenty of surveillance. They have a ton of money for their military and their surveillance state. No one. It was a festival time. Like it was prime for some type of attack. High security time. And it was also the fifth, the 50 year anniversary, uh, plus one day of Yom, Yom Kippur, Kippur, Kippur. I can't believe, I can't remember how you say it, uh, which was another time that Israel was attacked. Um, on a religious holiday, same same time, you know, same religious holiday it was at that time. And no one had any clue. People were just able to paraglide in there with their stuff, you know, just have a full-blown incursion with actual people into Israel. So then your conspiracy theories go something like that. Plus, Benjamin Netanyahu, not super well-liked, or he, last week, he wasn't super well liked and was going through some controversy mm-hmm. as he has before, uh, and now whole countries rally behind him. Isn't that weird? And also, if I might, if you if you'll pardon me, I'll throw in my own theory on top of this. It's kind of we were drying up as far as our military money that we were going to be spending on other countries. You know, maybe not going to vote on sending more money to Ukraine. Jim Jordan, who might end up being the Speaker of the House, said, oh, it's not important to America uh, that we, you know, send more money to Ukraine. So now we can send it to Israel. But guess what he's super on board with? He's super on board with sending money and aid to Israel. Mm -hmm. And so it's really crazy how we have this changeover in the House. I know this is way far-fetched. We have this changeover. You're just noticing things. You're not saying that's happening. And then all of a sudden, the CIA, Mossad, they... This all happens. No one can stop it. And all of a sudden, here we go. We found someone that we can send billions of dollars in aid to again. Mm. And when it was officially drying up for Ukraine, mm. it's just really weird how that happens. It okay. Is. That doesn't make the loss of life any less tragic. There's still a lot of people that were killed. But um, I assume that Israel is a government made up of men and women that are corrupted by their power. And do terrible things. Like any governments. Like all, like any government. Just like the U.S. government. Just like all of the other governments. So I don't give them any leeway because they're a heavily religious government or, or anything. Okay, I don't know anything about them. Tim Scott says Biden's weakness invited the attack. Biden's negotiation funded the attack. And this is another thing going around. Biden, the administration, because we all know Biden is barely here. Um, Biden allowed... $6 billion of Iranian money to be released to them. I believe it was being held by South Korea, I think, at the time. So this is Iranian money, and this is oil money. And we're holding it because Iran funds terrorism. And so we're not allowing them to get to their own money that they made from stuff that they sold. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so in, in a negotiation to release five or six U.S. prisoners, I believe, they released $6 billion that can only be used for humanitarian aid, like food, stuff like that for the country. It's been earmarked. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, they say they're going to pay close attention to how they use that money, make sure it's only going for humanitarian purposes. Now, one problem is that money is uh, fungible, 
you so you could say, well, we were going to use our six billion dollars we had right here for food and water and stuff like that, and we got this six billion dollars, and so now we can use this over here for something else, and we'll use this six billion for the food, water, whatever else it was that we were going to get. But it frees up. But it frees up mm. another six billion. But I'm going to take a different stance than people on the right. You know what? It's Iran's money, and and what actual right does the U.S. government have to say you can't have that money, even though you made it selling your own stuff that we all use? Call the oil is super important, and we're Imagine not going to give you this money. Iran did the same thing to us. <laughs> yeah, you know? like uh, wouldn't go well. You can't you can't put this in your military budget. I don't know if you guys know this, but we funded a lot of terrorists around the whole world. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're one of the major terrorist cells around the whole world. A bunch of them have been funded by us in the first place. So how do you think all these other countries who get victimized by... What if you get victimized by Al-Qaeda or ISIS or the Taliban? You ever? I know that you know books aren't as common in that side of the world, but they might be able to find out that turns out the U.S. created a bunch of these people, you know? And then that creeps, you know, creates more people to hate us. Mm-hmm. Blowback. That's what that's called. It is. It's yeah. blowback. And, and isn't isn't that interesting? You know, if you look at if you look at places like Afghanistan, and all this information is available now. But yeah, we're funding. We've been we've been funding all sides mm-hmm. at all times. Okay, I know you got a. I think we should listen to that Ron Paul video. Um, this ha- this one has to do with Hamas specifically and um, Israel. It says two minutes long. We yeah. can listen to what this he has to say to, about that. This is a way to recap. Sure. What's happening in the Middle East, in particular with Gaza right now, we have some moral responsibility for both sides uh, in in a way because we provide help and funding uh, for both Arab nations and Israel. And uh, so we definitely have a moral responsibility, and especially now today, the weapons being used to uh, kill so many Palestinians are American weapons, and uh, American funds essentially are being used for this. But there's a political liability, which I think is something that we fail to look at because too often there's so much blowback from our intervention in areas that we shouldn't be involved in. You know, Hamas, if you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. And you say, well, yeah, that was better then and served its purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system, we're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. So we first, indirectly and directly through Israel, help establish Hamas. Then we have election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill them. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. During, during the 80s, uh, you know, we were allied with Osama bin Laden, and uh, we were contending with the Soviets. It was at that time our CAA thought it was good if we radicalized the Muslim world. So we financed the madrasa schools to radicalize the Muslims in order to compete with the, with the Soviets. There's too much blowback. There's a lot of reasons why we should oppose this resolution. It is not in the interest of the United States. It's not in the interest of Israel either. Amazing. Silence. <laughs> yeah. What do you say to that? Silence afterwards, because no one agreed with them. That was a resolution to def- to uh, 
support Israel's right to defend itself and, and a peace agreement. And I guess he was opposed yeah. to that at the so time. So really this attack from Hamas is America's fault. Yeah. We well, propped him up. Hamas is Israel's Al-Qaeda. Yeah. And we literally propped him up. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. We propped up the, we propped up Al-Qaeda against the Russians. Mm-hmm. And then we, we had, had to fight him. And then we had to fight him. Just like someday we'll be fighting Ukrainian Nazis in Israel. Coming up, we're going to talk about the newest developments in this conflict. And we'll be talking about what we call Second Amendment rights in Israel. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. What's up, y'all? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, every Tuesday night. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction. And they've Im- implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash Start by learning more at Dash.org. And a big thanks to DashDAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash, Dash.org. Hey, what's up? We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And Tuesday nights. And Tuesday nights on Liberty at Night on Free Talk Live plan across the country you know we got a couple interactions lately on twitter from people who said they found us on liberty at night there you go so i guess people are listening to the radio still these days Mm. half of the content is still consumed on the radio you Mm. know podcasting has risen to about 50 percent consumption now which means the other half is still taking place on the radio which is how it was sold to me you know and i thought that was a pretty good sales tactic you know that, Overall, they they won you over. They did. They yeah. won me over with that right there. Okay. Anyway, um, is there still a war? There's war going mm. on right now. Mm. I think there will always be war. We will always have some type of war to talk about. Apparently, as libertarians, we super hate talking about wars going on around the world because we're anti-death. We don't like wars. We don't like interventionism. Um, and then at the same time, I have this human drive to want to see justice brought uh, to those people who did those awful, terrible things over the weekend. And I'll admit, I've watched some videos of bombs being dropped. Uh, and Is that good for your psyche? Sadly, sometimes 
you see a bomb get dropped, and it reminds me of back in the old days, which is scary. It reminds me of back in 2003, back in Aunt 3, when I was watching bombs get dropped on Iraq mm. and was just excited as hell about it. Just mm. so pumped. And I don't even know what they did to me. I'm not even sure what Iraq did, you know? But I knew I wanted to see it. I knew I wanted to wave my American flag when that stuff was happening. Mm. You're wearing so, your Armed Forces Entertainment hat. Armed right Forces now. Entertainment hat right now. Mm-hmm. I support the troops and I have supported the troops with my time and my effort and my music in the past. So have you. You I don't have. have, but you don't have a hat. No. Where's Thanks. your merch? Where's your swag? Well, we didn't get to go to uh, Diego Garcia. Yeah. Like you guys did. It's true. It was, it was That's a cool probably place. where they had the hats. <laughs> they had a, I don't remember where we got the hats, uh, but they were, they were pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, uh, we're well, gonna- we were talking in the pre-show. I think it's important. We were talking in the pre-show, like you can be, you can be pro troops mm-hmm. and still hate war. True. You in know? fact, you can I be think pro defense. And hate offense. I think uh, hating war is the most pro-troop you can be. You know, being pro-troop doesn't mean you want to see him die. I'm right. pro-troop because I don't want to see him die, mm. especially for causes uh, for that have nothing to do with us sometimes. So maybe that'll maybe that'll work itself into what we're talking about a little bit today. Um, clearly, terrible stuff happened over the weekend, which we've been talking a lot about. Everyone's talking about this right now it's continuing to happen israel is laying waste to uh, to gaza right now and uh, there's still people there's still hostages there's people that are missing so um, they opened up a can of a whoop ass they did mm. they did and um there's still uh, i think 11 americans that were killed now is the new number and i believe there are some that are missing also and you know who else is missing this is weird the president yesterday like he hasn't come out and give a speech about this oh, yet. president biden president biden hasn't come out and given a speech about this yet although he's supposed to sometime today i believe uh, or by the time we play this tonight maybe he will have already done that um and they call the lid what they call where they're not going to do any more press like at 11 a.m yesterday they're like oh no, we're done talking about this today we didn't talk and uh that's it uh, we're done. We're going to tweet about uh, junk fees and airlines and stuff like that. And so that's what you end up seeing from the uh, the White House account. It's really weird. Really weird. I see people are talking about... Bidenomics. The, uh, see, you're talking about the Cowboys game still. Mm. And I've been trying to forget that yeah. game really hard. Yeah. If I see something about football on my feet, I scroll past it really fast because yeah. I like to pretend it doesn't exist mm. this week. I mm. will. Okay, let's go through a couple things. That, we should send the Cowboys over. This is where it gets a little <laughs> scary uh, to me because the Wall Street Journal, they reported uh, a day ago, I believe, that Iran helped plot this attack on Israel over several weeks of time. That's the, the headline from the Wall Street Journal. And of course, it's just a news organization reporting this. You don't know that it's fully confirmed. You don't know for sure uh, how involved they were in the plotting, but... Iran has been pretty out in the open before about uh, supporting Hamas. Like, we we know this. This mm-hmm. is not some type of... They've been pretty out in the open about how they hate Jews. Yeah. This is not some type of a big secret. And when I see a headline like this, it scares me because you get people like Nikki Haley tweeting an attack on Israel as an attack on America. Well, who attacked Israel? Well, it was Hamas, but who funded Hamas? Well, it was probably Iran that did it. Well, does that mean that Iran attacked Israel and attacking Israel is like attacking America? So does that mean that Iran attacked America? This all just reminds me of Braveheart. 
Yeah, you every know? I think everything reminds you an of attack Braveheart, on the king. Sure. Soldiers and attack on the king himself. <laughs> okay, you know? I don't. I've only seen the movie once now, so yeah, I need to watch it maybe more times. Well, that's how the whole thing got started, basically. <laughs> Read a little bit here from this Wall Street Journal article, right. Charles. Iranian security officials helped plan Hamas's Saturday surprise attack on Israel. This isn't doesn't even say alleged. It says helped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Israel and gave the green light for the assault at a meeting in Beirut last Monday, according to a scene to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah, another Iran backed militant group. Officers of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps had worked with Hamas since August to devise the air, land, and sea incursions, the most significant breach of Israel's borders since 19, the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Kippur, so. Kippur. It's been said our Kippur. entire lives. Uh, these people said. You don't celebrate Yom, Yom Kippur? Like you don't so, air, candle? land, and sea. Yeah. Air, we saw the paragliders. Yeah. With, well, the, the engines... Fly away mm-hmm. home style. Now, how many lanterns did they light to warn people about that? Because that's kind of confusing. It's like yeah. one if by, two if by. Like there just must have been lights all over the place. I guess. Mm. Where were the sea incursions? I didn't see that. Part. I didn't see that one. I don't know. Mm. I haven't seen that. All right. Details of the operation were refined during several meetings in Beirut, attended by IRGC officers and representatives of four Iran-backed militant groups, including Hamas which holds power in Gaza and Hezbollah, a Shiite military group. I said Shiite radio. Mm-hmm. That's, Shiite. That's a form yeah. of Muslim mm-hmm. group, I think, or faction. <laughs> it's a faction of Arabs. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. And it's it's, a, I think it's a militant group mm-hmm. and a political faction. In Lebanon. <laughs> U.S. officials say they haven't seen evidence of Tehran's involvement. Um, in an interview with CNN that aired Sunday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said, quote, we have not yet seen evidence that Iran directed or was behind this particular attack, but there is certainly a long relationship. They've been holding hands for a while. You know, I got to be honest. I think I've been saying Anthony Blinken this whole time. And it turns out it's Antony. It's Antony. Antony. How about that? Mm. Tony Blinken. Quote, we don't have any information at this time to corroborate this account, said a U.S. official of the meetings. So the um, the uh, they have a thing here. Sen- tell us Senior about. Hamas official uh, said the group planned the attacks on its own. Said this is a Palestinian Hamas decision. Uh, but the spokesman for Iran's mission to the United Nations said the Islamic Republic stood in support of Gaza's actions, but did not direct them. So they still say that they stand in support of them. So how can you write that headline? I'm not sure. Like they've got a guy who who was it that they, that they said helped it? Um, Iran security officials helped plan Hamas's attack, according to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, so apparently, someone from Hamas said they didn't, and someone from Hamas said they didn't. Mm. Basically, we have no idea. I would lean on the side of they probably did. And that's what scares me because I don't want to get in. I don't want to get into a, another war in the Middle East. We got a lot of wars going on right now. I just tweeted this out uh, earlier that our our economy can't sustain fighting Russia and China, which we're supposed to be doing sometime with Taiwan to and Taiwan yeah. and Iran at the same time. You know, without, I don't think they can sustain it, but they'd have to have massive inflation, more taxation, 
Like we're already doing the thing with with Russia. We spent eight hundred and something billion on the military, and uh, adding in a couple more wars on top of that. I just don't see how we could possibly afford to do this. I saw the Babylon Bee headline that was a picture of Zelensky and said it is now a bad time to ask for a few more bill. <laughs> well, uh, bill, that's a <laughs> bill. <laughs> so good. Um, Zelensky's out there saying that Russia is the one who helped plan the attack on Israel. So he's basically out there saying, Hey, if you want to protect Israel, give me your money mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're we gotta fighting, stop. We're we gotta, fighting the good fight. Or he's like, Hey, I know there's bad stuff going on in Israel, but don't forget about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't forget about little old me over here fighting Russia. Exactly. And everyone's worried about this, but well, this is Putin's war. I still need your money right now. This was a, this is a Putin backed experiment. <sighs> this, this cycle of continuous war. I just, I think that us as humans are just, uh, I think that we are destined to always live in some type of, some state of war. And it's all like territorial disputes still. I mean, imagine, imagine this, like this is all still people fighting over land. That's what Israel and Palestine is. That's what China and Taiwan is. That's what Russia and Ukraine is. And in, in our minds, we talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday, but in our minds, like the, the borders are right, you know, like right now, let's just, can we just call it? Can we just, well, can we just call the map right now? And everyone just, just say, agrees. This is map. This is the map. This is map. There's no changing map. <laughs> but unfortunately, throughout history, this has always there were there were maps and there were borders and there were people who had these lands before what we have right now. And those borders change and change over time. And then we see these wars now over borders, and we're like, oh, this is wrong. This is these people's land. Well, actually, this is how history has always gone. Mm-hmm. People the the lines have always changed. And I, I don't know if that's something that's ever going to stop. Been gerrymandering the map since <laughs> human civilization. You know, go back to that because I think there's something important here. A direct Iranian role would take Tehran's long-running conflict with Israel out of the shadows, raising the risk of a broader conflict in the Middle East. That's going to happen. Mm. Okay. Mm. Senior Israeli security officials have pledged to strike at Iran's leadership if Tehran is found responsible for killing Israelis. So if, if Iran was involved in any way, shape or form Mm -hmm. is what Israel's saying, then they're going to, they're also going to drop bombs. It's going to be now you have Israel, which is, which is a nuclear power, Mm -hmm. um, Iran, which, we don't know. We don't know. They're they're always five years away from having a nuke. Yeah. Um, that's where the real weapons of mass destruction were. Yeah. They, they moved from Iraq Probably. to Iran. Probably. And so, yeah, this is... I, my prediction is it's going to escalate. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's my prediction. It's typically how these things go. Story now, of I hope world. I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. Because uh, it'll just be more death and more destruction. And, uh, man... You know, it's so crazy. Like, there's never been a better time to be alive unless you lived in the Middle East in the last 30 years. Yeah. Like, or, or like 100th or like ever, really. Yeah. It's not been that great to be in the Middle East. Mm-mm. You know, there are parts around the world where um, I honestly, I'm like, let's just take some, let's just take some cargo planes and just load up some of these people, you know, and bring them over. That's how I felt. 
That's how I felt when I was in Djibouti. I was like, why? You know, this place is not that great, guys. Mm -mm. Just come over. You can live in New Mexico if you want to, if you want to not see anything green, but it's still better. You know, it's yeah. still better than this desert. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, we got a lot of space in our desert. So you want to bust people in if they the wanted United to. States. I'm just saying it'd be way better than trying to protect the area. Why don't we just get people out of there, you know? And if you want to stay, then it's on you. And then we're just done, mm. you know? Huh? Yeah. I think that that's a pretty good foreign policy move right there. And then you just like, United States is like violence free zone. They yeah. Put up signs. No. And yeah, you put up a, a violence free drop bombs here. Prohibited. Yeah. Can't terrorist attack here. There you go. And then that way everybody's safe. Okay, um, let's get back to a surface annoying conversation, less serious than all this terrible war, but still on the, uh, still talking about what happened over the weekend. There's been a few posts here about how X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, has been allowing disinformation to flow as we, as we learn more and more about this war. And in fact, even Elon Musk himself apparently tweeted out someone who's known for spreading disinformation and anti-Semitism, like straight up hates Jews. So let's talk about that here for a second, because it's kind of weird how this happened. Like Mehdi Hassan said, uh, Midas Touch said, Elon Musk recommends ex-users follow anti-Semitic disinfo accounts for Israel information. Mehdi Hassan, the arbiter of truth, says, so weird how this keeps happening. All right, so... The arbiter of truth. We got the uh, Midas Touch headline right there. Midas Touch said, as disinformation flourished on social media app X in the wake of Hamas's attacks on Israel, ex-owner Elon Musk recommended to his nearly 160 million followers that people follow accounts that engage in anti-Semitism and spread disinformation about global events. On Sunday afternoon, Musk posted, quote, for following the war in real time, war monitors and sent defender are good. It's also worth following direct sources on the ground. Please add interesting options and replies. These accounts recommended by Musk are notorious spreaders of disinformation on X, often posting debunked videos that have zero relation to the conflicts they are purported to depict. So we have more. We have Rachel Maddow from MSNBC. We have Rachel Maddow from MSNBC saying, as false war information spreads on X, Musk promotes unvetted accounts. And she's tweeting out an article from the Washington Post. And then you go to the Washington Post. They say, as false information about rapidly changing war between Gaza Strip militants and Israel proliferated on the social media platform, Elon Musk personally recommended that users follow accounts notorious for promoting lies. Now, the reason that something like this bothers me so much is that you have all these people, the Washington Post, you got MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, you got... You've got uh, Mehdi Hassan out there. And these are all the people who want to be the only people that can tell you what's going on in the world. What they say is the truth. And anyone else is basically spreading misinformation, disinformation, if it's not the information they want you to have. And so they all go out here talking about how Elon Musk is recommending these disinformation accounts. Okay, so you want to check on that. Is he, in fact, doing that? Here's the tweet where he tags these people. Now, here's the problem. You can't find this tweet anymore because he deleted this tweet. Why did he delete the tweet? Because he accidentally tagged the wrong account. In fact, there are three accounts that come up when you look at War Monitor, and they've all got very similar handles. And what you can clearly see is that once he realized that he tagged a different account, 
he deleted the tweet. But that doesn't stop the fact that people got screenshots of it. And now they can all say that he recommended that people go and follow someone who's been spreading disinformation and who is anti-Semitic and all of that. And I just wanted to point out the, the hypocrisy here of these people coming out and telling you that it's Elon Musk who is spreading disinformation. And in the process of them telling you this, they are in fact the one who is misinforming or disinforming you because he did recommend this account that shows these things, but he immediately deleted the tweet once he realized that he tagged the wrong account. But they use a screenshot of him tagging the wrong account to say that he is spreading disinformation. And then they act like he didn't delete it. In fact, I looked at every article that they all posted out about it. None of the articles mentioned the fact that he deleted the tweet. Once you could see clearly that there are three different pages with very similar names. And so we know exactly what happened. I've, I've tagged the wrong account before. I've, I've misspelled things on Twitter before. I've messed up before on Twitter. Okay. His problem is when he tweets that out, it goes out to millions of people and then there's millions of screenshots and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay. It's an extremely bad faith argument and it's done under the guise of being the people who are telling you the truth all the time. Okay. They are trying to destroy Musk because he is letting information get out that they, the gatekeepers, of information don't want you to see or is not coming from them because they want to be the truth tellers and they're lying to you in the process of doing it. And so that kind of thing just, it bothers me. Nothing like, I'll be honest, nothing like lying to you telling you that it's the truth. I know it's weird. It's my favorite. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We've all been there before. I know I'm there all the time where I'm trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden, my brain just keeps racing. My thoughts just keep racing. And then it turns out like two hours later, I'm just sitting there thinking about stuff that I shouldn't even be worried about. Maybe it's time to work out and you, you're excited, but then all those negative thoughts creep in. You know, you know what you should do. You know what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. Now, I've done therapy before in the past. It was very instrumental in my life and who I am today. Charlie has used BetterHelp also in the past. He loved it. Very easy, very simple, and very helpful as well. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dot com slash gml today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash g-m-l all right coming up we're going to be talking about the second amendment and we're going to be talking about the right to self-defense in israel i'll be honest i thought the people in israel would have at least as relaxed gun rights as we do here in the u.s we complain about our gun rights being taken away all the time and how hard it is sometimes to get your permit to carry in certain areas around the country. It uh, turns out it's actually pretty difficult in Israel, Israel as well, and less than 3% of the population is armed. Did that play a role in this terrible attack that happened over the weekend? 
Remember, you can go to BernieLies.com on your browser and that'll bring up all of our links. And of course, you can always listen to Free Talk Live on your favorite podcast app. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. What's up, y'all? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Happy Tuesday night, everyone. And we're going to be playing a, playing a video describing some of the things that happened over the weekend. Um, and if you want to watch that on YouTube or on Rumble or on Odyssey when we go through it, uh, that's, that's fine. Just a warning. We don't normally play that kind of graphic uh, videos, but eh, we're going to be we're going to be playing it so we can discuss how this happened and whether or not uh, it's important to have Second Amendment rights all around the world. Remember, we all have the right to defend ourselves. We all have the right to bear arms. What matters is whether or not your government protects that right, or if they actively remove that right from you and and have you work and have to convince them to try and get that right uh, so you can protect yourself and your family. It's a pretty important distinction. All right, I wanted to show you something. Now, warning, in this video, you'll see probably some blood and stuff like that. Um, It was a little bit more than what I thought it was going to be, but I'm starting halfway into the video, so uh, we're not going to watch the whole thing. Um, I was just thinking, as these uh, terrorists came into the city and they started going door to door, they're driving around this whole town, they're just killing people in their cars, they're going house to house, snatching up people, killing people, doing all that. I questioned the the ease with which these few trucks full of people were able to just go house to house, door to door, street to street, doing this, encountering uh, no resistance while they were doing that. Like and no so, one protecting their homes? And so I went, let's just play a little bit of the description of what happened, and then we'll talk about why this is the case. Motorcyclists were found dead. One resident captured the terrorists approaching the police station. The gunman opened fire on a passing police car. Others are filmed moving along a residential street kicking doors and shooting at a passing car. (laughs) 
at least nine assailants on foot approached the police station and exchanged gunfire with officers. From the opposite direction, another group of attackers charges toward the fray, flanking the police station. One resident filmed police defending the station entrance. One bullet was pretty close. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. So this By is the just camera. this is just some of the video, and of course they're they're attacking a police station in a lot of this video. Uh, so not the best one, but that you uh, you hear all these stories of people hiding in their bunkers and their safe rooms and stuff like that because this is something that they kind of prepare for. And I didn't. I'm not saying this didn't happen, and it's tough to know exactly what happened just a few days after the fact. And of course, if the people still didn't survive, you're not going to hear the exact stories that happened. So I'm not saying this was always the case exactly the whole time, but you're not hearing a ton of stories of of people putting up a really strong fight. Like when people came to their house, they just opened up on them, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, Charles, you know, if, if you saw people going down the street door to door, um, would would you just get in a safe room and hope that they don't find you? And if they do find you, then you're dead. Well, I would tell them to wait. Yeah, so I could get my permit. Okay, to show show them my permit, <laughs> pass your classes. Yes, go through training that I'm qualified. Stuff, stuff like that. I'm qualified to stand <clears throat> my my ground. Now I'm, that's what I would. That's my first step, and then I would tell them to be patient, so I could go to the lake. Mm-hmm. And go fishing, and then I'd be back, and then we could set the whole thing up, mm-hmm. and that way it'd be fair. There you go. Yeah. Now I'm that's not, what I would do. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, blame the victims here. I'm not trying to victim blame. I'm not trying to blame Israel. I'm not saying that they. Anybody asked who for this. blames victims starts out by saying that. That's true. <laughs> that's how it is. I'm not victim blaming right now. What I want to do is uh, just highlight how important it is to have a right to bear arms, which we all do, even the people in Israel do, but their government doesn't protect them, protect that right. Their government actually takes that right and only gives it to them uh, at specific (laughs) times. And so I, I was looking up what some of their laws are, and this is a pretty recent article, firearm licensing in Israel how strict are the gun laws. So this is from February of this year. And uh, they say during times of elevated terrorism in Israel, applications for civilian gun licenses have skyrocketed. Uh, Case in point, in the wake of 2022's combined ramming, stabbing attack and the subsequent mass shootings at um, Hadera and B'nai Brak. I don't know how you say that. B'nai. I don't know. The number of requests for new carry permits purportedly multiplied by over 40 over a 10-day period. Um, So they talk about the good guy with a gun theory. Uh, They say that it has actually proven itself in Israel. For instance, armed civilians ended large-scale terror killings in Beersheba in 2022 and Ariel November November 15, 2022, preventing deadly attacks, uh, let's see, in... I don't know how to gush at Zion uh, and then Jerusalem 
and then the Judean Desert several times uh, where civilians ended the attacks. Um, other major attacks that were stopped with the help of armed civilians include, and then all of these things. Indeed, a high percentage, if not a majority, of Palestinian terrorists who were caught in the act of attempting to murder Israelis are swiftly neutralized by private citizens carrying weapons. Yet, contrary to popular conception, only a tiny minority of Israelis own firearms. And this piece will explain the Jewish state's strict gun control laws. So, um, they've only 2.6% of the entire adult population uh, has the uh, personal gun license, the legal ability to have a firearm in, in Israel. All right, so... There's still 150,000 Israelis, they said, have a, have a personal gun license, okay? Uh, that excludes weapons held by IDF soldiers and police officers and border guards. Um, they said there's 400,000 400, illegal firearms, the vast majority circulating in Arab communities. Uh, let's see, in 2023, Israel's parliament advanced legislation meant to tackle illegal firearm possession, and the Israeli police, Israel police has carried out near daily raids with an eye towards seizing illegal weapons. Israel's firearm law of 1949 and its related ordinances do not recognize any right to bear arms, and private gun ownership is subject to many restrictions. For one, civilians can only apply for a pistol. Rifles are wholly off-limits. Notice that they weren't off-limits for the people that were going door-to-door killing Mm -hmm. people. Um, That seems important to me. Why would you need to own a, uh, a rifle? an assault weapon, as people call them. Furthermore, as a general rule, civilians can have no more than 50 bullets in their possession at any given time. Only 50. That's it. And while the vast majority of Israelis receive weapons training during their mandatory military service in the IDF, there are numerous additional prerequisites for obtaining a carry license. Uh, so you got to... So you're saying it's hard. It's, it's hard to get a gun. It's hard to get a gun. Hard to get a gun. Um, and maintain a gun. They don't have any ammunition. Yeah, only 50 rounds. That's it. They include an age requirement. Um, Israelis who completed their two- or three-year IDF service can apply at their 20th birthday. Meanwhile, those who did not serve have to wait until they are 27, and non-citizen residents become eligible at the age of 45. Mm. Crucially, prospective licensees are asked to demonstrate a specific need to own a weapon. What? What other need do you have? For... For example, living or working in the West Bank beyond the Green Line or in other designated dangerous locations increases one's eligibility. Those employed in professions that encounter unsafe situations on a regular basis, including paramedics, firefighters, and other emergency responders, and tour guides are also eligible. (laughs) Tour guides. Tour guides. There you go. Um, Applicants should have at least basic knowledge of the Hebrew language, present a health declaration signed by a physician, and complete a theoretical exam and and compulsory training. Only after an interview and thorough security check does the applicant receive his or her license, which must be renewed every two years and requires periodic refresher courses. Uh, Let's see. The firearms licensing department rejected roughly 40% of all requests Mm. in 2018. So... Bottom line, they have common sense gun laws in Israel <laughs> to keep people safe. <coughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, and terrorists are able to go door to door. So, once again, I'm not kidnapping, raping, murdering. People. I don't want to like blame them. I want people in the U.S. to remember uh, that it is 
it, it's important to have firearms. You know, it's not like nothing like this could ever happen in the United States. It it probably could happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's less likely to happen uh, in the U.S. because of the gun ownership, and I think it's very much less likely to happen in areas where people are actually allowed to have guns, uh, where they protect your right to have a gun instead of trying to take it away. Like you're, I don't know how much of that you're going to see going on in uh, right right here in Tennessee or in Texas. People rolling down the street, uh, just taking out people house to house. Yeah. You know. It, I don't, it wouldn't I don't happen for very long. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. And maybe that's one of the reasons why. The the right to gun ownership is very, very important. Well, and they proved it even in Israel. Mm-hmm. In Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they proved how civilians with that were armed helped stop mm-hmm. and prevent further mass destruction. And, I, and so it is extremely important. I'm hoping that that changes after this. I, I know that it's very soon to be talking politics and laws and stuff like that immediately after something like this happens. But I do hope that people realize that what these people needed, remember they've got the most advanced security apparatus in the whole world, maybe just next to the United States, the most surveillance they've got, a they got walls. They got like everyone has mandatory military service. You know, they got all that stuff. But that doesn't help you when people are just going door to door killing people and you can't do anything because they started by taking out. They go and they take out the police stations and then all the people there are defenseless because they don't have any weapons. So and they so they were able to kill the equivalent of what would be 40,000 people in America mm -hmm. based on population. So imagine that. Yeah, that's that's uh, all this protection that Israel has for you. Your government, your your government's going to protect you. That didn't that didn't work, and hasn't worked several times. It hasn't worked. Yeah, and wouldn't you want? I don't know. Wouldn't you want to take on some ownership of that responsibility to protect yourself and your family, I and would. not rely just on your government who has no obligation to protect you whatsoever? I was actually surprised when I saw this. I I was I I'd started thinking like, man, it's really weird that you don't just see people, you know making a stand uh, as this was happening. I kept hearing about this door to door thing. And um, so I started looking up and I, I was actually surprised with all of the violence that people in Israel are worried about and all of the terrorism and stuff like that. I really did think that they would, that they'd be protecting people's right to self-defense and instead they just rely almost completely on the government to do it. And I, that's one of the things I believe that Hamas knew when they came in to do this. So keep that in mind. Mm. All right. When people are having these gun debates online, you say, remember the Jews. Mm. That's how you say it just like that. Yeah. Never forget. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little help. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past, and honestly, it helped me quite a bit. I've told you guys that. And our co-host, Charlie, still using BetterHelp. He loves it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. Now, normally we'd be talking about the Holocaust, but now we're talking about this. And they haven't given them the cool name yet. I've been wondering what the name's going to be. What's your name for it? Uh, I don't know. Has anyone heard any names? Mm-mm. No? Okay. Um, other, other business. We'll see what Joe Biden comes out and says today. The house is getting back together today as well. They're going to start trying to pick a speaker. I believe that this will expedite the process because the number one important business on the table is going to be sending your money to Israel, uh, or at least sending more weapons to Israel. And that's, that's another weird thing. Israel is actually a really advanced nation. You look at, uh, um, GDP per capita, they're like number 14, I think, in the world. Uh, military spending as a percentage of GDP, I think they're number four in the world. Uh, they have the third most stocks listed in the U.S. stock market to America and China and in Israel. Like They have a very advanced economy. They're a mm-hmm. rich nation. And we've been paying for a lot of their military. You know, We send them billions every year. It's like... 50 billion? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's too much. I don't know what exactly. I yeah. don't, don't quote me on the number, but it's a, it's a lot of money that we, that we send them every year. And I just wonder why they need us to send them more ammunition for the Iron Dome thing that they have. And the Iron Dome thing's really cool and they definitely need it. I just, it seems like they have an advanced enough economy that they, they just could, didn't imagine the paraglider. Uh, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. But they dealt, they, they I dealt, guess the Iron Dome couldn't detect those guys. They dealt with something like 5,000 rockets sent at them since this thing started on Saturday, and the Iron Dome's been taking care of most of them, but it's depleting their ammo that they have for it. And I just, I, I wonder when it's their job to create this thing and defend themselves or to at least create the ammo for it. Now the ammo probably under copyright law more than likely. And you got to buy it from the people who made the iron dome system. I mm-hmm. guarantee you that. Oh, that, absolutely. That's probably why they can't make their own. Oh. They'd probably get arrested for making their own, you know, yeah. if they did, if they did that, I bet you that's in the contract that the ammo has got to be purchased from <laughs> the company. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> that made the system. Yeah. And that's one of the, uh, that's one of the big problems because they, they should be at a point where they're able to take care of themselves. And when we have so many issues going on in the U.S., it's just, it gets really weird to, think, uh, to see that it's, that it's our job to do this. I think the shorter list would be, what countries are we not sending money to? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if there is one that we're not sending money to. Mm. It's just, and we're doing all of that. We're this you know, benevolent country doing all of that mm-hmm. while at the same time we're $35 trillion in debt. 33-ish. 30, yeah, it'll 33. It'll be 35 yeah. in a couple months. Yeah. By the time someone's listening to this, it'll be, they'll be like, oh, remember when we were only $35 trillion in debt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we don't have any money to give anyone. <laughs> no, Tom, that's one, that's one of the places we don't send any money. Um, um, the U.S. <laughs> I'm sure we send some kind of money to North Korea. <laughs> oh man, um, I don't. I don't know if we have to go into the other subject. Although we do, it's it has nothing to do with Israel. Is the problem? You know, do we do we want to talk about something? Yeah, let's do that a has, break and 
has nothing to do with Israel. Yeah. Let's do a, a quick break. Yeah. We can't say break and the break was 15 minutes ago. Oh, so let's do a can't, short. Can't, can't just do that. It's got a specific a, time. Let's do a short recession. <laughs> let's recess. Okay. Can I say recess? I don't know. We don't, we don't need to. No. Coming up, we're going to talk about this. All right, we're back. <laughs> there we go. One problem I have right now is I'm extremely distracted. Are you? Why? Yeah. Why are you distracted? Well, you know, mm. there's a kid. Mm. I don't know whose it is. Mine, I think. No. And they, <clears throat> he's very smart. Yeah. He finds a way to get my attention by pulling on the extension cord that runs yeah. out of our room mm-hmm. because we want to separate the lights and other stuff to keep it from tripping the breaker like it did the one time. So he'll pull on that and make noises to get my attention. And so I got one ear in and one ear out. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Right now. Trying Why don't to, we just call it him? I've got other stuff I can pull him. Do you have enough? A second. You yeah. have enough? I, I mean, we it. can go through this. No, nah, nah, I got it. Let's do it tomorrow. Okay. Well, tomorrow's White Pill Wednesday. We'll do the specific story on Thursday. Do you guys want Parker to come in and and sure. sound off the show? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. What a day. It has been a day. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's go. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please share it with a friend, a family member, or a foe. Let them know. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Let them know what's going on around the world and where to uh, find the truth. The, the thing is, like, Nate and I don't know everything, and we'll tell you that. Yeah, we we'll, don't. We'll tell you that we don't know. Um, but as we find things out, that's what we try to do. And so... Uh, Elon Musk should have tweeted us out probably as arbiters of truth. Um, (laughs) Well, but a really, he he wouldn't have gotten in trouble. An important thing here, like as libertarians who are non-interventionists, it's a tough word to say, and it's even harder principle to follow. (laughs) Okay. Especially Um, when you have a lisp. Yeah. Very, very difficult stuff. Mm. Um, when we don't know everything like about Israel and Palestine and the history of this, and there's been things going back and forth between them our entire lives, you know, and Israel's done things wrong. Palestinians have done things wrong. Hamas is a, is like a terrorist radical Islamic organization. And, you know, started by the United States started well in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. To fight the other people that were, that were in Palestine. And then of course, it becomes, you know, more than he, what you thought it was going to be. Him and his group um, get screwed over. Yeah. So now they're like, well, screw you guys. Yeah. And yeah. so they don't want, you know, Hamas doesn't want this two-state solution. They don't want peace. They don't want to allow Israel to exist. They don't want to give up. The, they don't, they're never going to get over the fact that they believe it's their land. And Israel's not going to go over the fact that they believe it's their land. And so when this happens... Only, only violence is, is Mm -hmm. going to come in its place. And we're just going to have to see who wins. And my only hope, and I know that there are, that they, I know they're doing it, but I, I hope that Israel does a good job making sure they're not killing civilians. I know that Hamas purposefully hides behind civilians. They launch their rockets from neighborhoods. They, their military, their armories are in the basements of hospitals and so they they purposefully hide behind civilians, and that way, when Israel bombs them, they can propagandize about how Israel's killing innocent Palestinian people. 
And so I by get the way, it. that's pretty smart. It's, it's, I mean, it's smart. It's, you have to give it to them. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is it's, disgusting. Uh, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what you do. Cause if Israel just does nothing, is Hamas, does that mean Hamas? I'm not saying Palestine. Does that mean Hamas is just not going to do anything? Just going to leave them alone? No. The answer is no. Are they going to give up their land that they have? The answer is no. Is Hamas going to be okay with Israel keeping the land? No. The answer is no. One of them is going to have to win. And unfortunately, now we're fighting kind of an ideological battle a little bit. And uh, we know how those play out. As Americans, we know how those battles play out. Mm. All right? Good luck to you. Yeah. Good, good luck. I, I really hope that someday we'll see the end of war, but it's not going to be this week. I'll tell you that. Mm. Maybe this year. You think? Well, like it won't be like this when year. we're all dead. It won't be in the next five years. Only the dead have seen the end of, of <clears throat> yeah, war. Yeah, unless Charlie. all the nukes get launched, mm-hmm. <laughs> then that'll be the end of war. That'll all right. be the end of humans. Coming up, we're going to lighten it up just a little bit. We'll be going through some of the dumb bleep of the week. That's where the live group gets to submit some of the dumbest things that they saw. And uh, the things were submitted before the whole Israel Hamas thing happened. So not going to be any mention of that. But we go through these things. We list them out number by number. And the live group gets to vote. By the way, the live group... They're called the Fed Haters Club. They went to joingml.com and they joined for as little as $6 a month. Of course, you can join for more if you want to. That's if you want to be a real libertarian. It really just matters how much you care about individual liberty and the future of human civilization. So you can do $6 a month if you want, uh, or you can do more and you get to hang out with myself and Charlie every single day of the week when we want to do a show you can comment during the show we'll talk and interact with you and really get to direct how the show goes you can also go to our merch store which is godhatesfeds.com godhatesfeds.com to get your God Hates Fed shirt or any of the other number of shirts that I've made and put on there and you can go to brennylies.com on your browser which will bring up a link to everything we have don't believe coming up The Free State Project has reached its goal of 20,000 liberty lovers who've pledged to move to New Hampshire and get active to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Perhaps you're trying to figure out what part of New Hampshire should be your destination. If so, consider Keene. You'll find more than 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeene.com. Keene is famous for its historic, publicity-generating activism, as well as being the liberty media capital of the world. It's home to freekeene.com, New Hampshire's destination for liberty activism, news, and opinion. For years, we've been compiling over 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeen.com, where you'll learn about some of what's happening here and what makes Keene a great place to live. If you love liberty, you'll probably enjoy anywhere you end up in the Shire. But do your due diligence first. Please visit move.freekeen.com for the full list of over 150 reasons to move to Keene. That's move.freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for everyone's favorite dumb bleep of the week. We'll count down some of the dumbest things that the live group submitted, and we'll see which thing is the dumbest. We're going to go through all these. The live group's going to vote on what the dumbest thing is, and that will be this week's dumb bleep of the week. Charlie, do you understand the rules? Uh, yes. Okay. But the points don't matter. 
The points do not matter. That. They do not. But somebody so, gets a trophy at the end of the year. There will be a trophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoever so. submitted right now, I'm pretty sure I'm winning. Maybe Costco. It's kind of a kind of split. So well, I will make sure it's a great trophy if I win. We all know Nina Turner's in the lead, though, as far as dumbest, dumbest things person, said this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so we got to have the dumb leap of the year tournament bracket challenge at the end of the year mm-hmm. still. So anyhow, let's uh, get to number one. This is one that we talked about the start of the week, but we didn't get to talk about you know over the weekend or whatever when this stuff happened. And we got to mention it because it was dumb. And it was Jamal Bowman, congressman from New York, pulling the fire alarm because he thought it was a door handle or something like that, whatever the story is uh, right now. By accident. By accident, mistakenly, mm. as they were going to vote. Of course, other other things have happened in Congress since this happened. Uh, AOC was on State of the Union on CNN defending Jamal Bowman. Let's watch like 50 seconds of AOC. That's about all I can handle. So here we go. There was an interesting moment uh, over the weekend when your New York colleague, Congressman Jamal Bowman, and he's under investigation for this now after Capitol Police say he pulled a fire alarm mm-hmm. in one of the House office buildings. Democrats were trying to delay a vote, a final vote on the bill. Uh, there he is uh, pulling the fire alarm. He says it was an accident. He thought pulling the alarm would open a door uh, based on the fact that the doors to his right there were locked. And there was a sign that he said he was, con- I think someone said it was confusing I'll be honest, it doesn't really make sense to me, his explanation. Have you talked to him? What's going on? I mean, listen, I think if you actually do see some of the photos of the signs, I think there's there's something to be said about the government's about to shut down. There's a vote clock that's going down. The exits that are normally open in that building were suddenly closed. He pulled a fire alarm? So what I am here to say is that House administration and U.S. Capitol Police and Jamal Bowman are inactive and he's fully participating in saying there was a misunderstanding. But what I do think is important to raise is, something is the fact that Republicans, <laughs> representatives like Nicole Maliotakis yeah. and others, immediately moved to file motions. To- okay. So, of course, she goes out there to defend how this wasn't actually that crazy. Republicans. Republicans. Got to mention. What's important to mention is Republicans. Now, she does bring up a good point, actually. She talks about um, Santos, the guy who we don't really know who he is or where he's from or what he's done in his life, uh, that no one one has moved really to. The Republicans haven't done a lot of work to try and knock him out of office, you know, but they did fire file a motion to uh, fire (laughs) fire alarms on the brain. Uh, they did file a motion to expel Bowman because of this uh, felony that, that he committed, but uh, not with Santos because they're all buddy buddy. The truth is, they uh, act like Bowman was like a slave <laughs> and has no idea he what has a no fire clue. alarm. He's never been in the building this nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. until he, now he's a you know congressman. I also love uh, people have while we have AOC up on the screen. People have been like, "Oh, it wasn't even the actual Capitol building; it was the Cannon Office building, which is separate from the Capitol." Yeah. That's also the building that AOC was in on January 6th. And she <laughs> thought she was about to get, you know, murdered. Mm-hmm. She cries when she talks about it. So it's not that separate yeah. from the Capitol if building. If only those people on Jan 6th <clears throat> would have pulled the fire alarm, they could have gotten away with it. I know. That's all they had to do. <laughs> that's a, why go in there with all these people, your horns and stuff like that, taking stuff. You just pull the fire alarm. Problem solved. And just say that you thought it was a door handle the or whatever. doors would have opened. Okay. Uh, Number one is going to be Jamal Bowman. Of course, he released a statement wanting to clear up any confusion. This was a misunderstanding. He sincerely thought that this was going to open the door, didn't realize the fire alarm was going to set off a fire alarm in Mm. the building. 
it was a test. That's what actually. fire alarms do. He was yeah. wanting to check and see. Uh, he also, they, so there was some messaging sent out from him. He's now blaming it on his staff, uh, calling some of his critics Nazis. All right. Which is something someone on the left would never do. And a funny part after this all happened, Bowman has disavowed the Nazi talking point and has said that it's not right to call people Nazis when they're not actual Nazis and that this has a specific name, a name, a meaning to it. He says, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition which is a national socialist, I guess, it is important to specify the term Nazi to refer the members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. Nazi. I guess that's what we're going to do now. Of course, uh, Michael Knowles posted a screenshot of Jamal Bowman calling him a Nazi randomly over uh, something that they disagreed on. Anyway, we'll just, I'm just wanted to connect that because it was something that was thrown out as a submission and we're talking about Jamal Bowman right now. And Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. So that's all number one. Number two. It's my favorite way it's been said. Nazis. Yeah. Is that um Inglorious Bastards? Yes. That one? Okay. Uh, I want to tell you why. The first time he says it, he's got that big knife. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. I need to watch that sometime, mm-hmm. actually. Um, kill him some Nazis. Mehdi Hassan, the reason this made an actual number for me is because of how Mehdi Hassan is portrayed and how he portrays himself. Uh, this is the guy that's on MSNBC, and he is just the moral compass for all the truth in the world. And he goes out there and busts all these myths all the time. And he's the guy who's going to tell you what's right. And he, he always wants to put all the proper context around things. And that's really what he's known for doing. He's really great at debating. He's really great at gotcha type situations and making really good viral videos with people. And then he also throws out stuff like this, replying to someone who said that it's the biggest Republican advantage on the economy since 1991. And they've been polling this question since 1951. Mehdi Hassan says, the Bidenomics stuff, despite being factually, undeniably true, that's that this is the greatest economy ever in the history mm. of mankind, yeah. is still not cutting through. Americans prefer the guy who left office with the worst jobs record since Herbert Hoover. And I know that that's not, we've talked about this so many times I would have only thrown this in there because it was Mehdi Hassan who said it, who is a man who portrays himself in the way that I was just explaining. Like, this is a guy who cares about context and misinformation and the truth mm. and dispelling myths and things like that. And so one more time again, we'll just mention that Donald Trump, who neither one of us voted for in two elections, neither one of us voted for, Donald Trump had a great jobs record up until the point that there was a really big virus going around. And well, the virus is actually really small. It was. You couldn't even see it. It's microscopic. Yeah. It was a tiny virus going around. Yeah. Like the smallest virus that you'd ever seen. A and lot, a bunch of them. One of the parts of its uh, DNA, or whatever you call it, it was that it shuts down economies. Yeah. Not just your system. It's not just your immune mm-hmm. system that can't handle it. It's also shipping. Jobs. J- jobs in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that you can look at a non-essential chart, jobs, non-essential, yeah. yeah, you kept like Walmart it, it and Amazon and stuff like essential, that. You know? Yeah, yeah, people are shipping. They were very strange also. virus. It's, they're still studying it. It was really weird. The reason his job record ended up with a negative jobs created is because of all of those people who lost their jobs during the pandemic. If you go to February of 2020, 
the jobs record was actually pretty good. And now when you look at Biden's jobs record, which is now at 14 million jobs created, almost all of them are people who were employed before they were put out of work because of the government's response to the pandemic. And the rest is history. We all know the thing. Now they're, okay? now they're reemployed. Mainly, I just can't stand Mehdi Hassan. These like pompous, just I'm better than you and I'm the only arbiter of truth out there in the world type people who then come out here and still do what they, he know he knows what he's doing. That's, that's why it bothers me. Yeah. It's when he knows he's not just being an idiot. And we got a video right now. And luckily for us and for everyone listening, it's a video with president Biden speaking and he is speaking and they're talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. And we're talking about in the context of misinformation and people getting their news. And of course, he's super worried about people not getting the correct information mm. as, as well. Let's just hear well, what... Well, he tried to start the ministry. What about what Elon Musk has done to Twitter, uh, lowering guardrails against misinformation? Does that contribute to it? Yeah, it does. Look, one of the things, as I said to you, when I thought I wasn't going to run, I was going to write a book about the changes taking place. And most of it's directed over the years for these fundamental changes in society by change in technology. Mm-hmm. Gutenberg printing in the printing press changed the way Europeans could talk to one another all the way to today. Where, where do people get their news? They, 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 you know, they go on the Internet. They, 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 they go online. They go, and you have no notion whether it's true or not. How do you know what the news is telling you is the truth? Because they they would never lie. They the news wouldn't lie. Certified stamp of truth approval. Yeah, because they are the news, <laughs> I guess. And uh, maybe it's just because he's super old. You know, he was probably there when the Gutenberg Bible was printed, <laughs> and so that's why he goes all the way back to that. It was like the 1540s or something. Like that. I don't remember when yeah. it was, but hey, that was a big big moment yeah. in history. That that old that old pal Gutenberg. You know, he mm. really hooked us up. That's with, when he. Uh, that's also when he first saw that gay couple and mm-hmm. and knew that and knew that that was love, love is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same time. <laughs> yeah, he was in his dad's car. <laughs> and uh, no, I don't like this idea that you can only go to the news because what the news has been lying to us for years. We're all sitting here post being lied into wars, but of course they want to be able to control like almost all of it. They don't like the fact that you can go on there and post something that you just saw happen. And people on X can go out there and see it. You know, that's but, like the government's worst enemy. It doesn't have to be approved. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Mm. And of course, it was fine when they had guardrails protecting the misinformation because the when people... The, when the administration was able to <laughs> yes. message Twitter mm-hmm. and say, hey, take this down. You know, like people saying that the vaccines might have side effects. You know, they used to have good guardrails to keep misinformation. There were even some people that said you could get COVID even if you were vaccinated. And you could still spread it to people and you could still get it. And back when we had guardrails, Twitter would take down posts like that. Or they would they would get rid of people's there accounts. There were some you know? people even suggesting that this virus was somehow manufactured in a lab. In a lab? In Wuhan, I China, guess, yeah. which is xenophobic. Oh, yeah. It's Just racist. Pure racism. And, you know, I mean, now it's probably the leading you know, indicator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From, but that's coming from the news now, from the government. All those people back then, they were lying. Well, see, the news took their time to vet the resources, their mm-hmm. sources, and make sure that it was true. Mm-hmm. And so now they can talk about it. But just, can you imagine, actually, this is 
Can you imagine if we went through COVID and we didn't have things like Twitter and Facebook and all that? And it was just CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and, you know, ABC, CBS, all that. And that's it. That's the only place we got any information. We'd be like Australia. We can blow through dumb bleep number four before we get in the weeds here. What are they responding to there, Chuck? From Axios, they said the Biden administration announced another $9 billion in student loan forgiveness through its debt relief programs, bringing the total forgiveness to $127 billion for about 3.6 million borrowers. Good White God. House. White House quoted that and said, guess what? It also grows the economy, benefits everybody, hurts nobody. Hurts no one. Okay, so the the idea they're throwing out here, listen, here's here's the deal. When the government floats you some money to go to a school and you go to the school and you pay you pay the school, you know, when they then cancel that and you don't have to pay back the money and you get to use your money on other things, that's how you grow the economy. And what they basically mean is when the government prints money and pays for things and you don't have to pay for it, well, then that's what grows the economy. And I tend to disagree with this idea just a little bit. Seems to be a little backwards from yeah. economics. I think we should just print all the money. Why even worry about paying people for Here's stuff anymore? Take the idea all the way to the end. If this works, why don't we just pay for everything? All of it. Yeah, we I don't mean, need to pay for anything. <clears throat> why is it just another nine billion? Why don't they just do another nine trillion? In fact, why do we even use money in the first place? Right, and stop using money that would grow the economy. Mm-hmm. You know who thinks that that's what would grow the economy is dumb bleep number five. How about that? Socialist Party of Great Britain. We haven't talked about them in a while. Mm-hmm. There's a picture here. It says Tesco store now puts security tags on toilet rolls as shoplifting cases continue to soar. Is this a UK brand. And, I don't know. Andrix. Andrix, and I've never heard of Tesco either. Anyone mm. in the live group know what uh, Tesco is? <clears throat> Anyone ever heard of this? Yeah. Let me know. The Socialist so you Party. you use this on your dogs, mm. or they just use a dog? I don't understand. They do have a dog up there on yeah, the picture. Yeah, and then, look, the recycle is a, is a, is paw, a paw print. What is this? I don't... Hmm. This is just you for... You know, I have... A, I have Tesco had, is a Kroger. That's what Bailey says. Okay. Andrix. I have, and I had a Great Dane. And you did have to wipe his butt every time he pooped. But we used did you wet use wipes. Andrex? No, we used wet wipes. Well, you should have been using Andrex. Or were you stealing it? That's the problem. They have these tags on there that's, where you can't steal their stuff. Yeah, that's why we had to switch to wet yeah. wipes now. They don't um, put the tags on those anymore. Andrex toilet rolls. I'm literally I'm just looking this up right now because I've never I've never heard of this brand hmm. before. It looks like a, they're ripping off someone's logo is what's bothering me. It looks like a different logo, like Charmin or something. Mm. Doesn't it? I don't know. Anyhow, well, uh, the quilted so- the with an air pocket. <laughs> the Socialist Party of Great Britain says capitalism in 2023. And so let me get this right. You not being able to s- steal stuff from the store is what capitalism has devolved into. It's, it's people, and property owners, and people who paid for it. You know, the store, you know, they got to pay for the toilet paper when they put it up there. Mm. And if you don't Unless give them anything, stealing it. yeah. And so now they don't want people to steal their stuff anymore. Can someone get me the four one one on Andrex, please? It's really bothering me. Okay, I need to know where the company is from, where they started, and what their main markets are. I'm sorry, I brought that up. Mm. It's it's really bothering me. Right, probably now. Procter and Gamble. 
No, that's not what capitalism. This, I'm confused by the air pocket. Yeah, and it's it's trademarked by the way, so okay. no other toilet paper can have air pockets in it. Okay. And what does that do? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of what air pockets would do for your anus. It's an actual air pocket. I think it would just pop as you were using it. You know, like bubble wrap? You would think. When you use it, does it snap like bubble wrap? Uh, does that blow the smell away? <laughs> Listen, we're going to get to the bottom of this, and we will bring everyone an episode on what is going on with the air pockets inside of Andrex's unthievable Toilet paper. <laughs> Unthievable. Okay, that's what we need to know. Apparently it's popular because people are stealing. Listen, I'm not even going to get, we don't have to talk anymore about this because I want to talk about shoplifting <laughs> some more. <laughs> don't fall in. Uh, let's talk about shoplifting that's real quick. Great picture. I know. This is someone wow. getting <laughs> this is someone getting arrested at a Walmart for shoplifting because of capitalism. And uh, this, I've actually got words to say on this one. Don't worry. Here we go. Um, this is what happens when she was getting arrested for shoplifting by a, a police officer. Now, I don't know if you can tell, Charlie, but her main argument is that Walmart is racist. Now, was this spawned by any type of rhetoric? Exactly. People are using online. I think so. I think I think so. So because she is getting arrested for shoplifting, the response is that Walmart is racist. She is black and she is getting arrested by a white police officer or security guard looks more like a police officer than me i'm not sure her go-to is that it's because she's black essentially that that's why she's getting arrested for this and like what you just said this stems from people being told you tell you tell a whole group of people that they're not responsible for anything that everyone owes them something and if you look at economics you, you also tell them that all the money that corporations make is theft and greed. It, it's greed. They've got plenty of money, all, all of this. And so you decide you're going to go in and steal things. And when you get caught doing it, the response is, well, you're stopping me because I'm black, not because I was stealing something. And I think that's where we've made it. This is the adult equivalent of throwing a fit in Walmart whenever you don't get your toy. <laughs> That's number it's number six. This clip did bother me because I do think that this is a symptom of all of the rhetoric that people have been told for so many years. And that's why we talk about the things that we talk about, because it leads to stuff like this. I should be able to steal from you. I am entitled to all of this. You are stealing from me by making money off of things. Also, I'm black and all of you owe me something. And so, therefore, this is mine, and I shouldn't have to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. That's the idea, the ideology behind what's happening. Yeah. Not that I'm blaming people like Nina Turner or Robert Reich or whatever. You know, it's on it's on her. Walmart is racist lady to figure this out for herself. Remember when crimes used to be crimes? Okay, now we're coming up on a video that honestly should have been its own episode because this one from the IMF about inflation should probably be its own episode. Uh, but we're going to watch it. They are explaining inflation 
to everyone. They, the International Monetary Fund wants you to know what inflation is. So let's listen. Hi, I'm Sandila from the IMF. And throughout this series, I'm going to be answering your questions about thorny economic issues, breaking them down and giving you straight answers without all that fancy academic speak. Let's get started. Now, I'm going to cut in for a minute. She starts off by saying, I'm going to be answering questions, giving you answers without all the fancy academic speak. And I understand that. That's what we try to do every day on the show. You know, we're way better than what we portray <laughs> to people. <Yeah. laughs> um, she's going to give you some some easy answers. The problem is a lot of people believe that they're so much smarter than you and there's no way you would ever understand what any of the causes are, any of the words that they would say. Some people could even use that potential fact because it could be true. They could use that to then misinform you on the problems because they're assuming that they're talking to a bunch of ignorant people. And so they, they undereducate or don't educate you on economics whatsoever. And then the, these people at the top from the IMF are the ones who are going to teach you about dumb it down. Yeah, yeah. They're going to dumb it down for yeah. all you dummies. There's been a lot of talk about inflation around the world, but what is it really? And why is it happening? Inflation is a broad-based increase in the price of things. For consumers like you and me, it's about a broad-based increase in the prices of things that we consume and pay for. Now, the reason that we care about inflation is that it can lower people's living standards. When prices rise faster than wages, people are effectively getting poorer. A dollar that I have today is worth less than the dollar that I had last year. That makes me worse off. That's why we say inflation is the worst tax on the poor. All right, coming up, we will finish up this video and this dumb bleep and move on to all of the other very dumb bleeps. Remember, you can submit your own dumb bleeps by going to joingml.com and you'll be able to vote. Anytime we do these episodes, joingml.com. More of it coming up. back liberty night with nate and charlie on the free talk live network going through some of the dumb bleep of the week submissions we were in the middle of this video from the imf explaining inflation when we had to take a break so let's get right back into that the first is when there's shortages in supply or slowdowns in supply take covid as an example a lot of people were asked to stay home to avoid spreading the virus. <laughs> in some cases, that led to a shutdown in ports or shipping terminals. Would you please do this supplies. or I'll kill you. Again, that nudged up prices. The other big bucket is on the demand side. So people demanding or wanting more goods and services than there are available. So what can governments do to ease it? Governments, through their central banks, can decrease demand by increasing interest rates. Governments can also cut spending or increase taxes. And the broad idea is that there's less money sloshing around to spend things on. Now let's think about the supply side. Governments can still do something. In some cases, governments might have special reserves to lessen the damage. Think strategic oil reserves. But not all countries have these or they're not large enough to have an impact. The second thing governments can do in the longer term is create an environment that incentivizes businesses to produce more. Okay. 
so as you go through the rest of the video, what you'll find is what's never mentioned the entire time, and this is from the International Monetary Fund, is governments just printing money out of thin air and sending it into the economy. Or them just shutting down all of the production of goods and services in the economy. And so when well, you ask, people like, were asked not to work. Yeah, they were asked. They were asked not to work at that yeah. time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the problem is, so like what Bailey just said, this video is probably being used by teachers in high school and professors in college. And that's one of the reasons that it, that it bothers me so Although much. I am shocked she called inflation a tax. She did say tax. That, but that when you don't pinpoint the government as the source of the inflation, right. then it's okay to call it a tax. Because people most of the time will just say, well, it's just corporate greed, you know, creating inflation, price gouging, stuff like that. And that's a tax, not actual taxes that we have. And so for the International Monetary Fund to not mention when they when she's talking about the demand in the economy and people just wanting more of things, you know, you just want more of stuff to not mention like, oh, also you could double the amount of money they have. Stimmy checks. Yeah. And maybe they, uh, they'll want to buy a bunch of stuff or <laughs> even on top of that, not just that you want to buy more stuff. It's that you, when you have more money, you'd be more willing to pay more money for things when you have more money in your bank account. Whereas maybe you would only pay for a 60 cent cup of coffee at the gas station when you had X amount in your bank account. Government gave you $1,500 and then you're like, okay, well, I guess I could, I guess I'd be willing to pay more than that. I really want this coffee. I'll pay a dollar fifty. For the coffee, I'll pay $5, maybe at Starbucks, something like that. Because you have more money and now you're, the whole calculus is thrown off in your head. So prices can rise at that time because it's all based on the amount of money people have and what they're willing to pay for things that they want. And so when you change that amount in people's bank accounts, the numbers Artificially. change. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's one of the dumb bleeds. We have another slightly complicated one that we'll get to. And as I said at the be- the beginning of the show, which we might have some time after this one, there's so many things that are not in this that I actually wanted to put in this episode today. But there's an RFK Jr. Uh, clip here that we were asked but about. We were asked about by someone on TikTok last week, I think. And then it also, we got tagged on Twitter for Dumb Bleep of the Week for this too. RFK has this plan that's going to fix, you know, housing is super expensive right now. And his plan, because interest rates are the problem with the increased cost in housing right now, his plan is to fix housing interest rates at a much lower rate, less than half of what the current rates are right now. And they just jumped up to about eight and a half percent. And so his idea, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> His idea is that that extra money people are paying in interest, well, when you fix it back down to 3%, which is what he wants to do, well, any of that extra money that was being paid in interest, you just won't have to pay, and the house will be the same price as it was beforehand, and you'll just save all of that money, like a 1000 bucks a month mm-hmm. on, your, on your house. Demand won't change. Demand yeah. doesn't, no, nothing like that. And uh, he also pinpoints some important things in here but let's let's hear from it okay rfk here we go thing is probably the most important issue in terms of building wealth in poor communities if you have a house you can get a loan and you can build a business if you don't have a house you have no access to capital two years ago the average cost of a house what? Is- what hold on what okay i get it i get what he's saying if you have a house then you can get a loan for a business he's talking about people growing businesses since that's the only way well, you, you use your get house access. as collateral. Like your, I guess so. Your equity is collateral. There's no way you can get any business loans without having a house. I just got my first house a year ago. Yeah, like, but got a loan and bought a house. I've been renting mm-hmm. since then. 
And I've started several businesses. It was $215,000. Today it's $400,000. Why did the price of housing go up? Well, one, because of the inflation, because we spent $8 trillion on wars and $16 trillion on COVID, which we didn't have. So they print money, which caused the price of everything to go up. More importantly, there's three giant corporations. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. They also own 89% of the S&P 500. They've now decided to buy... Okay. I, I think RFK is probably a good do, but I don't like it when people do stuff like this. Um, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, he says they own 89% of the S&P 500. Now that sounds like they own all the, the S&P 500 to me. No, that's like they own stock in 89% of the companies that are included in the S&P 500. Well, they manage money yes. for Everyone. But that's not them owning 89%. Just of take the a look S&P at your 500. 401k, by the way. Okay. <laughs> it's typically managed by one yeah. of these three companies. I've, we, we probably own a significant percentage of the SP 500. Many of the people listening probably do. They've now decided to buy every single family home in America. If they every stay on the current trajectory, they will own 60% of the homes in this country, single family homes by 2030. You all probably have heard of people who are about to buy a home and somebody comes in with, at the last minute with a cash offer and, and snatches out of the market. Right. And it's usually an LLC with an ambiguous name. But if you trace that up, you'll find it's owned by BlackRock. And because they have a huge bank book, they, the cost of money and interest to them is tiny, which means they can outcompete your children. Well, your kids mm-hmm. do not have a chance to buy that home. Because they can't outcompete BlackRock. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. One thing, I'm going to try to change the tax code to make it unprofitable for those companies to compete against your children for housing. Number two, I'm going to make a mortgage bill. Which I understand this is kind of a complicated, not exactly, but a little bit of a complicated libertarian conversation. What a liber- What do we say about, you get a company like BlackRock and all these other ones that have so much more money and they pull together, they got so many trillions of dollars and like the house next to me just came up for sale. And the company came in and paid immediately like upfront, you know, cash offers on stuff, closing costs, closing costs yeah. all that stuff. And other people can't compete with that. And so now there's a rental house next to my house, which is basically worst case scenario. All right. Let's say that they set out to buy every single house that's available that ever comes available on the market. And then eventually those three companies own every house. Is that something, like, do we say, is that a problem? Is it unfair that they're able to actually arbitrarily increase the price of the houses because they have so much of their own capital to use to pay for it? You know, they're not worried about the interest rate because they have so much cash already. Is this a market failure? So expensive. That's a good question. You think supply could be a problem? Maybe supply is a problem. Maybe for a long time we have rates that were way too low and we're pushing people to get houses when they shouldn't. And I think all those supply constraints are a major issue. Mm-hmm. Look at tariffs are a major. We got we got a friend won't say his name. Cost of building his house went up like thirty percent from all the Trump tariffs. That's something people don't pay attention to, and that's a supply constraint also mm-hmm. when that happens to Americans at three percent interest. And I'm going to do that without raising the debt. And the way I'm going to do it, if you have a rich uncle who will co-sign your mortgage. 
you can get a very cheap mortgage because the bank is basing the interest rates on his credit score rather than yours. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to give everybody a rich uncle. I'm going to say Uncle Sam is going to co-sign this new class of mortgages and guarantee them at 3%. That will lower the cost of mortgages by $1,000 a month, and it will allow them to outcompete BlackRock. And I'm going to finance those mortgages by selling tax-free bonds on the open market. It won't be financed with federal tax dollars and contribute to this incredible debt that we have. And those will only be available to first-time home buyers who will live in that community, who will work in that community. Starting with teachers, because we need to create housing for teachers to keep the best teachers in our schools. So yeah. that- Not only is it going to be, you know, they're going to be your rich uncle, then they're going to narrow down the first-time home buyers, and they're going to narrow it down further to teachers. Mm. First-time home buying Teachers, teachers that don't have a rich uncle and to live and work in that community to live. You can't commute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's who this plan starts with. And then it's going to filter out. And then I'm sure he didn't make a phone call to the teachers union asking for support after that <laughs> video came out. So basically let me boil this down for you. He wants to take the government student loan plan and do it for houses. I'm going to fix the interest rates at a lower rate. And that's going to lower the cost for everyone. There's no way that the cost of the house is, you see, because the interest rate is a cost in buying the house. That's calculated. Like, you're a guy about to ha- buy a house, and you see, well, this house is 500K. I got to pay an 8% interest rate on that. And so you're like, I can't really do 500K with this 8%, but I could do 400K with the 8%. That's fine. You see, so that is actually talking down the price of the houses for you. The problem that we have is up against that is people still have all of this leftover pandemic stimmy check money. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of people do, not everyone, but that extra money hasn't been sucked out of the economy yet. And so people are getting in it, or they're just getting in bad deals, and we're going to see another housing collapse come up. And so that interest rate actually talks down the price of the house. It's, it lowers the price of a house that you could afford. All right? And that happens across the whole market. Now, if you want to sell it, you have to get it to a price where people can actually afford to buy it. Yes. And so then you're selling the same thing, same 500k house and someone says, "Well, we got a fixed interest rate here at 3%." And the guy's like, "Well, guess I can pay the 500k for that house." And so then the saving doesn't actually happen. You still end up paying like the same amount or you it's just not like a an interest. Or you get a $600,000 house. Yeah. And so <laughs> now the guy sells yeah. it for 600 instead of 500. Exactly. And that's what actually ends up happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what ended up happening with student loans where anyone could get a student loan. And then the, uh, the honestly, the interest rate on the student loan should be like 60, 70%, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yes, that would mean almost no one goes to college. And that's, yeah. a, and that's about right, and, honestly. And then the price of college would go way down. Then they would charge what it should really cost yeah. to teach people something. Mm-hmm. That's why the cost of college continued to has continued to go up and up and up. And so he wants to do the same thing. And the fact that some libertarians still think that it could be a good idea for him to be a libertarian, uh, it's not as much as it was when he first came out and he was just talking about COVID and vaccines and all that stuff. It's not as much, but some people still are. This is a terrible idea. Okay, I don't remember what number. That was nine. That was eight. Or sorry, eight, yes. That was number eight. I do believe we have a number nine, and I, it's from some lady I've never heard of before. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce her name. Nina Turner. Yeah. Lanina Turner. Lanina. Yeah. Okay. This oh, is, it's Nina Turner. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, screenshot of an article. Charlie, would you, what would you say this is? All right. The article says, the headline, Denver experimented with giving people $1,000 a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full-time employment, a study found. To which Nina posted the screenshot and said, the solution to poverty is money. Simple. So simple. It's simple. You just give people money. It's simple. I can't believe we haven't figured this out before. We should just print money and give it to people and then there so won't be any more poverty. Simple. So there's a there's a lot of different ways we can tackle this one. She could um, have written that better, by the way. The solution to pro- poverty is simple. Mm-hmm. Money. It's money. Yeah. You but should write her tweets. I should. You should actually. call her up. Send her a message I, over there. You know, it must be nice to think this way. Mm-hmm. To walk around, not a care in the world, probably. I bet she sleeps just fine at night. Look at that smile. She's got on her face. Mm-hmm. You know, smug. Just walking around being like, oh, the solution to hunger is easy f- food. Mm-hmm. You just got to eat something. It's like one of those friends when you're trying to tell them about a problem. <laughs> and they're like, oh, just stop thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You should, That's simple. Yeah, you should just, stop that. Just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, you're hungry? Yeah. You, sh- you should eat something. You should eat some food. Yeah. That's what you should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just give you some food. So I went through this, by the way. Like, oh, you're tired? You just sleep more. There. It's, it's simple. Solution to the problem. Why are, are you, we overthinking all of this Are you sad? Stuff? Have you tried being happy? Right. It's the opposite of sad. Mm-hmm. And it turns out if you're happy, then you're not sad. Yep. And so what we need is more happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So in this study, Denver experimenting with giving people $1,000 a month. They also experimented with giving people a larger lump sum payment and then giving them like 50 bucks a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full-time employment. Now, this is one of those tests, test markets. So how many people did they give $1,000 to? The answer is about 160. And actually, I will just tell you some of the stuff. When they talk about homeless people, now when you imagine people who are homeless and fixing the homelessness problem, Charlie, what would you imagine... Like the, are these people that are, that are just house insecure? <laughs> they're home insecure. Yeah, that's what it is. They're not actually homeless. They're home insecure. By the way, they excluded from this category um, that these people could not have severe and unaddressed mental health or substance use needs. So no drug addicts and no one with any mental problems. Mm. And so they're not going after that category of homeless people, which is, I would argue, is a rather large part of the category of homeless people. And then experiencing homelessness as defined by the DBIP they have an intentionally broad definition of homelessness. And so these people... Home insecurity. <laughs> yeah, these people could be living in a motel or a hotel. Either one. A camping ground. They could be living in a camping ground due to lack of alternative accommodations. Or they could be sharing a house with a friend or a loved one due to a loss, loss of housing or economic hardship or a similar reason. And then living in a car, a park, or a public space. Abandoned buildings, stuff like that. Then you get down to more people. But they can't be on drugs. And they can't have any mental problems. Mm. So did they pick a rather easy group of people to try and help? I kind of think that they did. 260 people is what they randomly assigned $1,000. They only got, I think, 154 people at, at the six-month checkup for this on the $1,000 a month thing. And by the way, of the, of the people in that group for $1,000, only 6% of them were homeless people, you know, like living outside on the streets. 
only 6% of them. Yeah. So like nine people mm. uh, were homeless living on the street. Maybe not nine. It's not even nine. I don't know. It's seven people, eight, seven people were uh, people that were homeless living on the street. Okay. But those seven people in that group are no longer living on the street at the six month checkup mark, which is where we're at right now in this current study. And about a third of the whole group found some type of a place to live, like an apartment or a house, something like that. So like 50 people that they found after six months of giving them $1,000, mm. which I know immediately alarm bells went off. You can't get a place to live for $1,000. That's not possible. Mm-mm. What are you talking about? How did a third of the group in a major metropolitan city find a place to live for $1,000 a month? when they weren't living there in the first place. I guess, I don't know. They rent in a closet? I'm not sure where they're staying right now, because I heard you can't get anything for like less than 2500 And when they found a place to live, did it, did it meet, did it have to be above the homelessness standards? I guess it can't be in a, you can't stay at like an extended, say, motel or anything. It's got to be renting a house yeah. or a, an apartment, you something like that. You couldn't move in with a friend and split rent, could you? Because that would... No, homelessness. living with someone because of economic hardship qualifies as homelessness mm, in this okay. category. Yeah. So first off, you can attack the study and say, okay, this is a very small group of people. And it was done with a donation. Like, a, I think it was a $2 million donation. And so it's, they're testing it out with a very low amount of people. And so, of course, on a very small scale with a $2 million donation, not taxed away from the people's paychecks that also live in the same city as you, uh, when you give people $1,000 a month and they're people who aren't on drugs and they don't have mental problems, turns out they could then turn around and use that $1,000 to pay for some kind of rent in an apartment, something like that. Magic, mm. okay? The, that does not, however, mean that you can do that on a large scale because then you would run into inflation. You got to take the money from somewhere it's not all just going to be donated. So then you're giving everyone a thousand bucks a month and then everyone has a thousand more dollars to spend on something. And then it's the summer of 2021 all over again. You know, mm. then you run back into inflation. You get UBI or whatever. And so the solution is not all that simple, but individuals, I bet if you gave someone a thousand bucks a month, Charlie, and they were on the street and they weren't on drugs and they weren't they didn't have any kind of mental problem going on. If you gave them a thousand bucks, they would probably take that and not live on the street anymore. But the idea that we can do this across the entire country is really dumb. Especially by the government, with the government. Yes. Yeah. Cause then they got to take people, they take money from people, mm-hmm. you know, and then put it back in, in other people's pockets. Yeah. It's not going to work. Okay. It's not. Yeah. There's the- like 30 more dumbs for today uh, that we're going to just push off to Monday. I believe. I mean, we got stuff like uh, there's this clip of Lindsey Graham saying that if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than when we left Afghanistan. <laughs> and that if we there's, stop, there's not a war this man has like, not fallen in love with. Here's an honorable mention. Have you Lindsey asked uh, Donald Trump, your friend, to come out and publicly support more aid to Ukraine and to push some of these skeptical members of the Republican conference? I'll leave it up to him to what to do, but he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Well, Vladimir Putin has been praising him for yeah, his well, comments about Russia. Here's what I'll Ukraine. say about President Trump. 
He did not pull the plug on Afghanistan, even though he wanted to. The biggest mistake we made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. You missed all the world. Listen, Afghanistan leaving there was terrible. If we leave Ukraine, where we supposedly don't have any troops there or anything, that's worse than when we lost thousands of people. Ten times worse. Afghanistan is ten times worse than that. And as soon as we leave Ukraine, then that means China is going to invade Taiwan. Well, Putin's not going to stop. Because right now what's holding China back is our gl- glorious success in Ukraine that we're having right now. Mm. There's no way that China... Look at would- his nice flag there. He's Look getting- at that. He's got an American Ukraine flag. Hmm. You ever wanted to see what a Nazi looked like in government? <laughs> That's the new Nazi symbol right there. There he is. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's a great honorable mention for Lindsey Graham. There were other other good things like a thing from Sonny Hostin today, a uh, post by Robert Reich that was really good. I saw in the group and several more that I sent back to myself with the tag Monday that I'm now going to type in Monday in my email and pull those things up for Monday. For Monday. So let's get through uh, what... Let's get through the votes. Let's say what the things were. Jamal Bowman and the fire fire alarm gate is number one. Uh, number two, Mehdi Hassan and the jobs. Number three, Biden and Musk information. Musk inf- misinformation, sorry. Number four, uh, the White House and canceling debt grows the economy. Number five, Socialist Party of Great Britain says this is capitalism in 2023. Six, Walmart is racist. I don't know if we allowed the video to play long enough for her to say that but walmart is racist lady number seven imf on inflation number eight rfk on housing number nine nina turner on poverty and nina turner has announced her newest venture and we might talk about that on monday as well that'll be nice she started her own foundation Mm. her own charitable organization yeah so, all right, y'all, get your votes in. While you're voting, I'm going to tell you not to do anything mm-hmm. like I have all week. I'm sticking to the plan. <laughs> I want you to not share the show. Don't leave us a rating and review. Don't visit our websites, joingmail.com or be part one. of the Fed Haters Club. In the group. I, I don't want one. you to do anything. I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the... I don't want you to do anything. So Don't do it. We yeah. want you to sit at home and not do anything this weekend. Yes. Okay. If you could, if you could somehow do that for don't us. even vote. No, don't vote. Yeah. Don't even vote. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that. That's all you have to say. Let's mm-hmm. get some votes. I'm going to call it in five, four, three, <laughs> two, one and a half, one, Lenina Turner. (laughs) Lenina. Coming in with the win. Great job. She's won a lot this year. Man, that's unfair. So proud of her. It's unfair. She's got dumb bleep inequality right now. Well, you know, she's got to win something. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again next Tuesday night. Liberty at night. some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime 
Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com